Hello and welcome to another episode of Superhero Fatigue. I'm your host, Christian Cook, joined by my co-hosts... Ren Malone. Jacob Helker. And today we are talking about not just one of the better superhero movies of the last 10 years, but the superhero movie that kicked off the entire Marvel craze. That's right, we're talking about Iron Man from 2008. We're getting to the good stuff. Yeah, we. Uh, I know that we have talked about in the past about... Uh, kind of reorganizing how we were doing our movies and all. So this actually uh, is kicking off um, the uh, this is kicking off the Marvel Cinematic Universe for us, which we'll be doing in parts, uh, kind of as we go along. We're, we we wanted to do it chronologically, so uh, we're thinking we'll do kind of a first grouping of films and then give you guys a little break from it. But we this is a, a series of films we've been wanting to do for actual years, and so uh, we've been we were super hyped to get to do this one. Uh, and I'm pretty super hyped to talk about it. I'm very excited. This is, I don't know about you guys, but this is one of my all-time favorite superhero films. Yeah, definitely. I think it ranks up there among the best. And uh, truth be told, we did record another episode oh. after our Ghost Rider episode. We were going to go ahead and knock out uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance as well. <sighs> but we had a computer issue, and that episode, sadly, has been deleted. And... Uh, unrecoverable lost, lost forever um and we didn't just want to jump back in and re-record that one because it's a ghost rider movie starring Nicolas cage so yeah, yeah. We, we decided you know what we're gonna go ahead and give the people what they want and uh start doing these mcu movies now i want to clarify that computer issue kind of means jacob issue a little bit <laughs> uh uh hey we weren't gonna say anything <laughs> i know I'm, I'm bringing this on myself um, it makes me think of uh, the Brendan Fraser mummy movie where the curator of the library uh, burns off a piece of the map and you find out later he did it intentionally to try to stop them from potentially awakening the mummy and he just says it's for the best I'm sure and that's kind of what I equate the uh, losing of Ghost Rider spirit of yeah, vengeance to. just know that whenever... Whenever the barbarians are at the door and there's a giant sand mummy head trying to eat your city, you be glad that I deleted Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance, starring Nicolas Cage. No, that happens whenever we've recovered it somehow. Oh. Oh. It's like reading for the book, book of the Dead. So I didn't do anything good. <laughs> the second coming of Ghost Rider's Spirit of Vengeance is the harbinger of the apocalypse. Yes. The harbingers of your doom. The harbingers of your doom. To quote Arnold from... Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, another movie we'll probably get to eventually. Yeah. Hell yeah. But until then... Yeah, let's start actually talking about this. Uh, this is Iron Man from 2008, right? Yep. Yeah. Directed by John Favreau and um, starring Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, uh, Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stane, um, Terrence Howard as James, James Rhodes. <laughs> And uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts. Red's been calling him Rhodey Rhodes. I think he, I think that like that was a first name for him. Which well, he's only credited in the movie as Rhodey. Oh. at the end, his nickname. So what the hell, Marvel? Hey, you watch your mouth. Whatever, man. Watch your mouth. Look, look. If I have to know that Stain's first name is Obadiah, then I don't think that it's. Uh, I don't think that it's too much to ask hey, to get okay. full crediting on everybody look, else. It is not. Marvel Studios' fault. It's not Kevin Feige's fault. Obadiah Stane is an old-school comic book character 
who just happens to have a dumb name. It seems weird that they credit James Rhodes as Rhodey, but they don't credit Obadiah Stane as Obi. <laughs> Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. <laughs> just kidding. Don't laugh at that. See, don't my laugh. first Stop. thought was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, see, two different worlds colliding here. Yeah. I've, got, <laughs> I've got a joke about that later. <laughs> um, anyway, this movie opens in Afghanistan with, uh, who is it, ACDC playing? Yeah, yeah, it's back in black because you have to know that this is a badass thing that's happening, I guess. Well, I, guess so. I mean, the reason ACDC, the little fun tidbit, the reason ACDC is so prominent in the Iron Man franchise is because that's Robert Downey Jr.'s favorite band. Oh, huh. And so that makes sense. he just really wants ACDC to be there. And for me personally, watching Iron Man fly around, shoot people to Thunderstruck, or Back in Black or Highway to Hell is always one of the most badass parts of the Iron Man movies for me. I was waiting for you to say that because ACDC sings Iron Man and I was getting ready to jump all over you. I know my metal bands. (laughs) It seems like uh, everybody kind of credits Guardians of the Galaxy with like the great soundtrack and this classic rock and stuff. But really, I mean, it's kind of kicked off here with Iron Man. Oh, for sure. There, there are several, there are several songs throughout this movie that are like kind of badass punchy. Uh, and then there's also kind of a, a generic hard rock score, which I don't love. Yeah, the MCU has never been really good about, uh, you know, music, except for maybe the Avengers theme. That's there about are, the only real recognizable there one. There are parts, though, where, like, when he's uh, first testing out his armor and flying around, the music playing. I, yeah. can't, I can't think of it now, which uh, probably doesn't, doesn't bode too well for it, but I do think it's... Um, pretty good music frankly i don't remember it yeah i can't think of it right now but i at the time i was like this this music's pretty good for this anyway so back in back back in black is playing (laughs) and we're in afghanistan and tony stark is being uh he's what do you call it smarmy no, I meant like <laughs> these. There are military people that are like leading him around. Oh, he's They're being uh, chaperoned, escorted, escorted, something like that. Yeah, by these uh, he's in soldiers. An convoy. Convoy. No. And he's well, there. What's an envoy then? It's they're... like I think that's a car. <laughs> oh, well then he's in an envoy. <laughs> it's his. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so they are. Supposed to be taking him back to the airport, I think, yeah. so that he can leave Afghanistan. And I noticed Robert Downey Jr. either has the reddest lips ever or he's wearing lipstick a little bit for this, like, movie makeup. They went a little heavy on the lips because it just it stands out so strongly against his black facial hair and his pale I, skin. You know, I thought maybe, like, it's supposed to be that his lips are chapped because they're in the desert or something like that or, like... I would think that would make him well, no, lighter, though. Because he's only been in the desert for 12 uh, hours, maybe. Maybe. I guess. Maybe. Um, I'm trying to rationalize this in my own mind, I but guess. But what is with these sunglasses that he wears in these movies? I don't know. They're so no stupid. Clue. Like That's one thing I don't like about Tony Stark, because he's a likable character. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah. But, man, he always wears these dumb, like, they're like the, uh, what, what do you call it? prescription lenses or something like that almost but it's just for him to look cool but it totally has the opposite I imagine the first gen the first gen Iron Man suit just has him putting on regular glasses and then flipping down the sunglass oh visor my gosh. Oh, I'm ready to fight for justice hey 
<laughs> I was in a play where I had to wear glasses like that. They're not that weird. Weren't okay? you playing a guy who was supposed to be geeky in that play? I didn't you wear a Nintendo Wii hoodie throughout that play? No, it was a Wii sports hoodie. Oh, <laughs> much better. Okay, it was an athlete. It's to show that he's a jock. I certainly, <laughs> I certainly never shouted the word Klingons in the play. He did. I definitely. Spoiler did. alert for that play. Did. The play I was in my sophomore year of high school. <laughs> anyway, the military convoy uh, suddenly gets attacked by some uh, militants. Well, we don't really know yet. It's yeah, I guess you don't know at the time. Under you just fire. Suddenly they're under fire. Yeah. And uh, I, it's a bold move to start a comic book movie with U.S. soldiers being murdered in Afghanistan less <laughs> than a decade after 9-11. Yeah, and mind you, I think that this movie, you can definitely tell that it's a product of its time because the... Uh, the conflict starting, it's, yeah, the conflict starting with uh, with just vaguely Middle Eastern looking people in a vaguely Middle Eastern looking place doing, you know, it, you know. Vaguely. Yeah. Well, they straight up say things. it's Afghanistan. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. But like, but they're, you know, they're just Middle Eastern people. It's like, eh, they don't have to have a motive. They just attack stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the one part that bothers me a little bit, like that we sprang straight for that that kind of villain and we didn't do anything to like the the main villain of this movie or the the villain group i guess they never really have a concrete motive well like, i mean okay a political goal that they're fighting for it's and not so... stated in this movie but i mean the 10 rings uh terrorist group is from the comics yeah i know um, i know but i mean for the purposes of a movie it just yeah. seems like a product of its time. It's like the 80s where Russians were all of the villains. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, and in it's this, the mid-2000s, you know? They actually do state, like, that they can they overhear their language or they're talking with each other. And they say they hear, like, so many different languages, like Russian, Hungarian, all these yeah. different. So they kind of try to set it up where they're not just straight up Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Stanning? Afghani? Afghani? Afghani. Afghani. It's Afghani. Afghornis. Never mind. Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Gordon Ramsay. This is probably one of the parts of the movie I like the least. Is because it immediately jumps to the uh, whole uh, 36 hours later thing. And basically all it is is a... Bet you're wondering how I got here scene yeah. without Tony yep, Stark saying. Me. Thank yeah. God they don't actually use yeah, that I know. voiceover. I would have I would have like I would have killed for a record scratch to happen somewhere in there. When he's yeah. lying down with the blood <laughs> pulling out from underneath oh, his man, bulletproof I really, vest. I really hate CGI blood. Oh, it's so me fake too, and obvious man. every time. And how hard is it? To get a fake blood pack and just start making yeah, a leak like, under someone's shirt. What what are those called? Where they uh, they like they're supposed to look like gunshot wounds Squib. or something. Squib. Those they they those are have been used in every movie since the beginning of time. Yeah. Well, like think... if you need to simulate an impact to somebody's chest, put a couple of squibs in there and blow holes in their shirt. I think it's not yeah. hard. The big problem with this movie specifically was that Tony Stark they wanted to show the blood oozing out of you know and the you get a hose vest. yeah look i'm not saying it. i'm not saying uh, yeah it looks i just good. think that cgi blood is silly yeah. but yeah they get attacked and uh, a missile lands right next to tony and it says stark industries on it so he knows it's one of his own uh he's he's like a, a military yeah what he's, he's, he's a he's a weapons, a weapons manufacturer. manufacturer he sells a lot of his company does for the military yeah. and uh 
Anyway, it's basically to show that his weapons have ended up in the wrong hands. And the missile blows up, and he gets shrapnel in his chest, uh, and it's he's supposedly dying. I, I want to add that whenever the missile lands, it shows a like mid-shot, like a mid-level shot of this missile, and then it does a short zoom onto the name that says Stark Industries on it. That is one of my least favorite camera moves in any movie ever. Yeah. That short zoom... And then they do like a short zoom onto something amazing, and then a short zoom onto the character's face or onto his eyes. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> the first Ghost it Rider was me, full of those yes, shots. Yes, it's God. Luckily, we it only drives got this me crazy, one. dude. I I think I think that's the most overused crap in a in a great in a good movie. But yeah. I think that that's the most overused crap in any movie. And I saw it, and I was instantly just like, God, I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we do the whole cut. To 36 hours earlier and there's an exposition video basically playing at this awards ceremony talking about tony's company and how he inherited it from well his father built the company and then he died and uh, obadiah stain his father's friend took over the company until tony was old enough and uh, it just establishes tony as this genius who like graduated at 17 years old with honors yeah he uh, he becomes ceo at 21 years old yeah i i I think that this scene is is really effective and i think that showing the uh i think that doing doing the who is tony stark in that kind of intro video i think that it's really effective because uh so the premise is that tony is at uh or or that uh this is being shown at an award show tony's receiving an award for i don't know something something yeah and uh, so, of course, you know, um, Colonel, uh, Colonel Rhodes, who is Tony's friend uh, and military officer, he uh, is presenting this award to Tony. Tony, of course, uh, if you've ever seen any of these movies, isn't there. Because um, he's a ladies' man. Yeah, because yeah, he's a player and well, he's, he's gambling. gambling right yeah. now. Yeah. So uh, Obadiah Stane, the guy who helps Tony run the company, he comes up and accepts the award in his stead. And so I think that it was great to be able to have that intro video because it served the dual purpose of introducing you in case you weren't familiar with Tony Stark and also showing, oh yeah, he's a playboy, kind of a douchebag a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, and it and introduces that... uh, Obadiah Stane and Rhodey like yeah, right I, off the yeah. bat. Yeah, I actually, I like, I like the 36 hours thing. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it because I think I am it, too, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it, but I think particularly this scene is pretty effective yeah. Yeah. in showing kind of what Tony's like and why he's like that. Well, that and one thing a lot of people don't realize is that up until this movie came out, I mean, Iron Man was popular amongst comic fans, but he wasn't exactly a household name. Yeah. The top four names on Marvel's charts at the time were Spider-Man, Hulk, Wolverine, and Captain America. Iron Man would show up in some cartoon or something every now and then, but he was never, you know, a big name He wasn't character. like a bankable character. Yeah. Well, I will have you know that as a non-comic fan, I picked Iron Man every time in Marvel vs. Capcom. Mm. I love Marvel vs. Capcom. I told you he showed up sometimes, but he still wasn't a big name. He was big name to me. <laughs> he was the only character I ever selected. So yeah, they find uh, weird. <laughs> they find Tony uh, gambling somewhere at a casino, and <clears throat> Rhodey gives him the award that he won. And uh, they are walking out, and he's going to get in his car, and then this reporter chick runs up. Oh, my God, his hair in this scene. I don't know about you guys, but his hair makes me so mad in this scene. The, the slicked the, back, the, just 
jet black, gelled down. You can see that it's crunchy from where you're sitting. Uh, the Ross Geller. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Wet head. <laughs> but I love when the reporter runs up and Tony's got his back to her. He's about to get in the car and just ignore her. And uh, Happy Hogan, his, his driver, Happy Hogan, uh, is also kind of like his assistant buddy and, i guess yeah like yeah. helps him out a little he's bit a head of security or he's, he's his driver slash personal bodyguard. but they're friends too and yeah. he knows tony and so he just goes she's cute and tony goes she's okay and turns around and then starts <laughs> to talk with this woman knowing she's attractive now and uh she's there to give him crap about like his weapons ending up in the wrong hands and he's trying to tell her that his company does all sorts of other stuff but they can't do that without their military um without the money they make from making weapons for the military which i mean uh i that's a valid point and i i feel like later on it's like uh you know tony uh later on tony kind of has a, a change within himself to to not make weapons and all that stuff but i think that at this point it's kind of played like tony stark is doing like wrong things and making weapons yeah. um and you know honestly it's he's he's right in well, that, like, yeah, military the, technology does all kinds of cool stuff. Part of the reason he shuts down the weapons division later on in the film is because he finds out that, you know, uh, the, the, industry, the company is selling under the table, too. So, technically, they're breaking a bunch of war crimes by selling weapons to American and Afghani soldiers. Yeah, yeah. but I, I just, I, I don't like how that's kind of framed as the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm being, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Well, I am. Either way, less than 10 minutes in, Tony gets laid. Yeah. Which, <laughs> oh. with this reporter. Not the best treatment of a woman in a movie. Oh. No, but I mean, I gotta say. it establishes his character yeah. well, too, because that's exactly what he would do. And <laughs> it's it's definitely establishing that he's just this kind of callous. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I want to add one of my favorite uh, lines in this movie is whenever he, the reporter is talking to him and she's like accusing him of being a war profiteer and everything. And so he's trying to figure out what college she went to. And so he goes, Berkeley? And she goes, Brown, oh, actually. Shoot. And he says, oh, okay, Miss Brown. And it cracks me up every time. I have a note <laughs> about that, too, that I totally skipped over. But yeah, it's, let me guess, Berkeley? Brown, actually. Who does that in real life, though? Who guesses colleges of people? Well, I mean, I, Tony Stark. I, I think that it makes sense yeah. because Tony Stark is in, he's an industrialist and he's a weapons manufacturer. Mm. And this, so he's like, oh gosh, this hippie college girl is coming up to tell me what to do. So I think it, it makes sense to me in context. Imagine someone coming up to you. Let me guess. WT. <laughs> AC actually, no, Coursera <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, Sale or what is it? Sale University, Vail, whatever the stupid one Dropped is. Dropped out <laughs> university. <laughs> Customer service agent, actually. <laughs> Unemployed. Please give me a job. Oh, God. But Tony is pure male wish fulfillment. Oh, I man. Mean, he's a billionaire playboy and... Uh, Super intelligent, in great shape. Look, It's look. just... It's... I was I was 11 when this movie came out. And I was because of Tony Stark, because of Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, I was an asshole to girls for like 5 years afterwards. <laughs> I could not figure out that being nice to people was better than pretending to be Tony Stark. Trying to be this snarky yeah. person as, because nobody can pull off wit like Robert Downey Jr. Absolutely. And anyone not. who tries is going to make a fool of himself. <laughs> um 
But, you know, I, I kind of forgot that Paul Bettany has been doing these movies just as long as Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. He hasn't been acting in them as long, but... No, but... You know, you kind of think of Robert Downey Jr. as the one who's been there all this time. But even, like, John Favreau and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, to a certain degree, have been in these movies just as long. Well, I think the big difference between uh, John Favreau and Gwyneth Paltrow compared to uh, uh, Paul Bettany is that Paul Bettany is in every single movie that Iron Man's in. Yeah. Whereas Gwyneth and uh, John aren't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think in certain circles, Paul Bettany gets, I think he gets some recognition, you know, here and there. I mean, people, people, the fact that you know who plays the voice of Jarvis. Well, it's because he plays Vision now. Yeah. That's, that's why a lot of people know who he is. I, I guess. I didn't know who he was until he started playing Vision. I mean, I, I guess I was aware, but I actually, I guess I didn't put two and two together that that was Paul Bettany playing Vision. It's just, it's yeah. good. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a big plot point of Age of Ultron. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I know gets... I know that Jarvis gets sucked into to Vision and becomes part of Vision. In the comics, Jarvis is just like Alfred. Yeah, literally, he's, he's just a, a regular fat white butler. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know why I've never. It's not that like it doesn't make sense to me. If I would have read it, I would have just like been like, oh yes, that's right. But I never the wires never crossed in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I knew who Paul Bettany was, but until yeah. he started playing Vision. I had no idea that he was Jarvis. I'm just glad he found his way into some good action movies for a change because he has a streak of shit. Like a mile long with Priest and, uh, man, what are those other stupid movies? Priest Priest is a good movie to watch during a crappy movie. Uh marathon i enjoy i enjoyed watching priest it's like it's up there with van helsing yeah it's like watching van helsing for me (laughs) um ain't nothing wrong with watching van helsing and anyway we uh this is where we first meet pepper potts tony's main assistant the one who like gets all of his schedules together and everything like that and there's also a lot of sexual tension between the two of them oh my god you could cut it up and serve it at thanksgiving <laughs> you're pepper... not just spreading that sexual tension on a piece of toast that's i know a meal i pepper... know it doesn't it doesn't help that like at various points throughout the movie you catch both of their eyes like their eyes dart up and down at each other often yeah during yes. this movie it's like man just just let it happen. Just let it happen. Like I, maybe that's. The, I guess that's the point of it. Is it supposed to build tension up for the viewer? Yeah. But by the end of it, I'm just like, God. Okay, I know. This I is know. a perfect Everybody movie knows. too for to have a scene where there's someone there witnessing it and like kind of makes an obvious remark about the sexual tension, and they don't do that, which I was kind of uh, surprised with. Yeah. But. Uh, Pepper is an adorable name for a girl, I think. It is. It really is. If um, I ever, the next female pet I get, that's going to be Pepper. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's a lizard, a sea monkey. And she's Pepper. Played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's crazy how easily I can separate her on-screen persona from her actual persona. Yeah. It's really not an issue for me when I watch these movies, which... With a lot of other actors and actresses, if I know too much about their personal lives or like the public opinion of them, it it is an issue. Yeah, but it really isn't with her. Uh, for Gwyneth Paltrow, I guess I knew I like I had seen these movies before. I knew because I I do not like Gwyneth Paltrow uh, as a as a in a public way. I don't yes. like Gwyneth Paltrow. I think yeah. that she's obnoxious, um, and I think that she genuinely she 
she feels like she is doing like a service to the public <laughs> she or something. really does and she's just very rich person like privileged yeah. person ignorant like, did you guys to the ever fact hear about her little food stamps experiment where yes. she tried to prove, oh my god and all she bought was like seven limes it, yeah she bought a bunch of stupid crap um anyway that's enough about her as a person uh Robert Downey Jr. though is uh, like in their rapport with each other and everything. I just I kept thinking he's just infinitely more entertaining than a more faithful adaptation of the Tony Stark character yeah, from the comic books sure. would ever be. Yeah, I think he's a perfect adaptation of that character to screen. And 100%. Props he's entertaining to, to watch. Props to John Favreau for that because mm-hmm. I feel like that's 100% because of him like campaigning to get Robert Downey Jr. to play this part when yep. the studio wanted like Tom Cruise mm-hmm. or some big Tom name. Tom Cruise with a clear see-through mask. Yeah, because this was like a, it was a risky move mm-hmm. getting Robert Downey Jr. He has a history that uh, isn't, well, he's not, not too proud Robert of. Well, not just Robert Downey Jr., but you've got this B-list character and it's your first in-house film. Yeah, it was And I mean, you've bold. got Kevin yeah, Feige who's done some yeah, stuff. I think, I think that speaks to their faith in John Favreau. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Which, he's I gone mean, on to, to be point, a pretty solid director. Oh, yeah, for sure. What did he have before Iron Man? Elf? Is there anything else of note? <laughs> I forgot he directed Elf. I honestly can't say. Hey, look, I love Elf. I think Elf's a great movie. I think it's a well-directed movie. I Speaking think it serves Elf, its purpose. I do hate this time of year, though, when everybody feels like they have to whip out the Elf clips. The, the, the Buddy elf the memes. Elf memes. Oh, my Come on. God. That movie's good, but it's not that good. It is. Well, yeah. I mean, I th- I would say that movie's fine, but it's not that fine. Yeah. I, I I don't like I don't like Elf so much just because I think that that character is annoying, and mostly because it annoys me from the beginning of November to the end of December every single year. Ooh. Every single year. He did Chef <laughs> after he did this movie. He also did Cowboys and Indians. Uh, no, he did Jungle yeah. Book. I haven't seen he the did Jungle do, Book. He did Jungle Book. And he's, he's doing, doing Lion, Lion King. King. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, he's got some good movies. He did Iron Man 2. <laughs> uh, well. Um, but this movie does a really great job of establishing everything quickly and getting it out of the way. Because just over 10 minutes in, we've already met Tony, Obadiah, Rhodey, Happy, and Pepper, and Jarvis. Mm-hmm. And, and we already know what they're all about. Like, yes. nobody's mysterious. Yeah. And uh, so then the next day he goes and he gets on a plane with Rhodey. <laughs> there's a really great like comedic scene in that where Rhodey's trying to like make it all about business and Tony keeps trying to get him to drink and he's telling the stewardess to bring some sake or something hot and, sake yeah hot yeah. sake <laughs> and Rhodey's like no no I'm not drinking I'm not drinking and then like hard cut to them just drunk together with the stewardesses dancing around in high heels around them. <laughs> with a stripper pole. Yeah, with their shirts tied up in a stripper yes. pole that and they got on an airplane. Brody's I... <laughs> holding the, uh, well, I mean, it is a private plane. I guess, but it, it's, is it not a millet? Is it his private plane? Yeah, it's Tony's I think private it's Tony's plane. plane. Oh, okay, that makes way more sense. Tony's be got a stripper the line of, it. well, with it being my plane, I figured it'd wait but for me. Terrence just, Howard's playing the part so perfectly with his arms strung over Tony. Yeah. He's just like, and that's, that's the thing. Like, just drunk. Honestly, this He's scene, every drunk conversation you've ever had. Yes. This scene and almost every other scene with Terrence Howard, I just kept waiting for him to call Tony Maine. Like what's oh up, man? 
Just because that's the most Terrence Howard thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's true. If um, you've seen Hustle and Flow, you know what I'm talking about. And at the beginning of the scene, I was I was going to make a note or comment on how the stewardesses must hate their job, having to walk around in these ridiculous hills for hours. <laughs> but then once it cuts to them all drinking and having a good time, it, I mean, it looks like they're really enjoying their job. It looks like fun. <laughs> um. And then Tony, uh, they get to Afghanistan, and Tony is doing a weapons demonstration of this new missile for his company. What is it called? The, the Jericho. Jericho. The Jericho. Um, and he says something about, is it better to be feared or respected? And then they, he destroys an entire mountain range yeah, with yeah. this thing. I, I do not think the U.S. military would be okay. Like, maybe if you're firing a missile, test it in, like, a desert. Yeah. Test it on, a like, a building. That Set they up some build. dummies or, like, yeah, yeah fake, fake building site. Don't blow up a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Imagine them testing something like that in the Rocky Mountains or something and just <laughs> decimating them. I know. Can you imagine the liability for that if there's just people sitting out there like, oh, my God. Hey, imagine look. growing up in this province in Afghanistan and you've always hiked those mountains as a kid and everything. <laughs> And they're just gone. And the then the walk... U.S. military tests a missile, missile there so that Tony Stark can raise both of his arms up dramatically. The walk got a lot shorter. That's all it is, you guys. It's a much shorter hike now. That's true. Yeah, it's not a matter of going through like a uh, – it's not a matter of going through a mountain pass so much anymore. Now it's just like, oh, man, I got to cross this mountain. Bunny hop. All right, I crossed the mountain. It's That's great. literally <laughs> just walking on dirt at this point. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that maybe like maybe it's it's permissible for the use of uh, for like the visual effect, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah. I think the visuals in that scene are awesome. I think Tony in that scene is really good, even though he does seem kind of cheesy, holding his arms up well, as a shockwave comes toward him. I Before love... that, he's really kind of stoic, and he just sort of this it's the least energetic. You see Tony Stark for sure in the whole movie. He's literally He's very just refrained. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love how the beginning of this movie comes across like total political propaganda. It's really just like, like look how great America is, and now we're in Afghanistan. And we're showing off these new missiles and everything, <laughs> and so it comes across like there's this movie's heading into uh, sending a bad message. A Michael Bay movie. It's becoming a it Michael really Bay is. film. Yeah, but hopefully or thankfully it takes a hard turn. Yeah, at the end, the white guy's wait, the villain. Wait, when I was advocating for military funding for medical research, did I become part of the propaganda there? Yeah. Is yeah. that me now? Yeah. That's oh, you. God. You're the ironmonger. Oh god. <laughs> you even have a heart that has like <laughs> metal in it or something. That's My heart doesn't have Okay, my heart does have metal in it. But you need an arc reactor, <laughs> and I'm really disappointed that you haven't gotten one yet. Uh, so it's funny. So um, to, to include a little bit. Are you going to talk about your heart issue by opening it up with saying, well, it's funny? Well, so <laughs> uh, I was in the hospital whenever I was 18, and I had a couple heart surgeries, and they put an artificial valve in my chest. And actually, uh, this lady from uh, our hometown – uh, brought me this like Iron Man arc reactor that you could put over your shirt and it magneted to your chest and then an Iron Man mask the day after my surgery and that was the coolest shit I have ever owned <laughs> in my awesome. life. Dude, it was awesome. I was Didn't eight... you say you watched this movie a bunch in the hospital? Yes, I watched uh, Iron Man uh, about 18,000 times because I was there for about a month and a half. What so a I watched... perfect time for this movie to come out. It really was. <laughs> well, that had to have been before you were 18 because you weren't 18 in 2008. 
Huh? If you watch this movie. In oh the no hospital. no! It, the movie didn't come out whenever I was oh, in the hospital. Okay. I was it was confused. it was one of two not animated movies in the hospital. Oh. Uh, Iron Man and Batman, uh, or The Dark Knight. Oh okay. Yeah, that's I was really so excited. Not a bad hospital stay at all. I was so ex- yeah, but I had to watch both of those every day for a month and a half. Batman Begins still. came on UPN one day while I was in the hospital, and I almost had a heart attack. I was so excited. I love that it's still the same character. <laughs> yeah, but I got more Just of the plot. Just very slightly. <laughs> I watched Batman Begins on UPN and then immediately turned the Dark Knight on again and was like, ah, now I can appreciate this. <laughs> now I know what's going on. Um, so Tony, after the weapons demonstration, gets a call from a shirtless Jeff Bridges, which I thought was really This weird. is it. This is my least favorite scene in the movie because you've got the shameless Is this Verizon. your Sky poem? Yep, this is my Sky oh, poem. God. Yeah, we, uh... You've got the shameless Verizon slash LG product I did placement. notice the Verizon and logo then right there. Well, I then that was the point. Jeff Bridges shag carpet of a chest <laughs> i know like i don't facetime my friends without my shirt on first of all but also jeff bridges is he's i, I think he's laying Imagine down one of your and so he has his he has his hand <laughs> under his head it's very like sexual almost. it really is it looks hey, like he's, Tony, yeah what you doing? yeah it looks it's like, really he's calling him for no reason like we find out later he's got a reason for doing this but at the time it's just like what you thinking about (laughs) it looks like a snapchat that says hey you up on it (laughs) imagine getting that kind of facetime phone call from one of your dad's friends that's exactly what it's like what i was just about to say (laughs) hey gary what what do you want (laughs) nothing (laughs) you know what i like wine (laughs) he's like running his finger along the rim of the wine glass i was just thinking about you it's west bentley now just oh no just checking to make sure you got there okay (laughs) call back kisses and when we uh in case you have jeff bridges (laughs) call back kisses (laughs) man In case you haven't listened to our Superman episode, uh, when we say Sky Poem, that's just our term now for the worst part of the movie. Uh, and see Superman to understand that term. Yeah, you'll immediately, you don't even have to keep an eye out. As soon as the Sky Poem starts, you know it's you're in jarring, it. It's jarring, and you're just like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to use that term from now on. And uh, we'll probably throw in reminders every now and then. Yeah. yeah, the worst part of any of these superhero movies is the Sky Poem now. Um, That's my Sky Poem. That and then the Burger King product placement later on. I just uh, hate product placement. Yeah. It treats me like I'm an idiot and I'm not. What is it with Burger King and superhero movie product placement? Cause Burger this is, King's got money. They're like four or five times. Oh, what about? Like, four or five instances I can think of. Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. That whole movie's a Burger King commercial. Oh, yeah. It's Dude, painful. That whole movie was like, I guarantee Burger King had a huge, huge financial stake in financing that sequel. Oh, oh, yeah. Scooby-Doo did not need a sequel. You can quote me on that, news sources. <laughs> Scooby-Doo did not need a sequel. Scooby-Doo 2, like the basic plot, should have been Scooby-Doo 1. Except also kill Scrappy at the end, regardless. <laughs> Just kill him in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> I so, hate Scrappy. This is when uh, Tony's convoy gets attacked, and then it's just kind of like a few quick cuts of him, like, 
just going through surgery or something in a cave and he's surrounded by these uh, people that attack him. Oh man, him. this scene's freaky because he's like sitting there screaming and twitching and stuff. Yeah. Oh man, like, yeah. Elbow it, deep in his it's chest. like saw editing. Yeah, it too. really, it really yeah. is. It's like quick cuts and like blurry camera and yeah, it's unsettling for and sure. And then like yeah. images laid over other images. It's... Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. Um, and then he wakes up and he's got his uh, Neo from the Matrix moment where he's pulling this tube out of his nose <laughs> oh, that's instead of his too. mouth. But it's just this long, long, gross tube. And uh, anyway, he wakes up in this cave, and he's got a car battery connected to something on his chest. And there's another man in the cave with him, uh, who we find out later is named Jensen. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's someone who's been captured by the, the militant guys also. And he is... Um, basically says that the thing on his chest is a magnet because he's got shrapnel that's heading towards like his uh, main heart valve or something and he yeah, will it's... die once it gets there so it's keeping Which, him alive can we talk about how that is that is not real medical science i mean magnets will keep metal away from stuff is real that's a yeah i mean that's that is that is but i'm talking about i i don't know about shrapnel entering the body and then slowly being pulled towards the heart. Well, shrapnel moves throughout the body. That's the danger of shrapnel. Oh, I thought it was. I thought the no, danger because was just your body. Things no, if you get something body. like if you get shot with a shotgun or something, and it goes into you, eventually it moves because your body's trying to work it out of your body. So it moves up and up and up and up. And so if it's right near your heart, the risk is that it's going to hit your heart and kill you. Okay. My goodness, Christian. I'm not a doctor. So Tony, uh, he is in this cave, and the militant guys come in. They basically tell him that uh, they want him to build uh, the Jericho missile for them so that they can go attack places or whatever. I thought that it was funny that like the Jericho missile was just introduced like that same day or you know a couple of days before and they already had an ambush set up because they wanted him to build the jericho well, we missile. find out later that oh oh that's right that's right that's yeah, right okay yeah. somebody else is behind it oh, so okay of course Never they mind. know about it come on homie. Uh, but they only want one week of work out of a man with an extreme heart condition before they kill him yeah. like keep him alive and just force him to make weapon after weapon for you like why would you okay uh jacob why would you kill him you have heart issues. If I cut a hole in your chest and then just shoved a piece of metal attached to a car battery inside of it and then demanded you to build me a missile in one week, could you do it? Um, Even if you were a missile building expert? I will answer that by saying that I work at a hotel right now and I don't have a hole cut in my chest or a piece of metal shoved into it and my uh, boss struggles to get a week of work out of me anyway. So, <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> okay, but in this scenario, you're not you. Uh, in, in my Tony Stark in this scenario, you could probably do anything if you're Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah that's okay. badass. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can if I'm um, me, but better in every way. <laughs> the the bald dude who's like the leader of the militants. I really thought that they were setting him up as the Mandarin. For a future I did too. Iron Man movie. When I saw this movie initially, I was like, because he keeps like 
fiddling with the ring on yeah. his finger, and I was like, oh, he's got a ring. That's and, I think they're they're doing yeah, the Mandarin. Yeah, at that point, I just assumed that it's one of the Mandarins, you know, one of his rings. Yeah, and I assumed that, uh, I was like, oh, uh, he's not Asian, though, and I'm pretty sure that character's Asian. Well, he is Maybe Asian. Maybe they're just trying to lead away from that. Well, I guess so. Yeah. His name is the Mandarin. No, I know that. I mean, <laughs> the character, the... He's Middle Eastern, which is still a part of Asia. It's just been reclassified as the oh, Middle well, East over the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, like, maybe that was an idea that they were toying with at that time. Because, yeah, it does It does kind of seem like that a little bit to anybody who knows anything about yeah. Iron Man. But then they all decided, hey, you know who'd be better? Guy Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so he comes in and realizes that I think at this point, Tony has built the mini arc reactor to go on his chest. And he realizes that they're not really building the missile that he wants. And so he goes over and starts arguing with Jensen, the the doctor who's in Mm -hmm. there with Tony Stark, helping him out. And I was just thinking, I imagine few things would be more nerve wracking than listening to militant men argue in another language about you. (laughs) Well, yeah, men carrying guns who have recently blown you up kidnapped you put a hood over your head and forced you to build a weapon <laughs> and he's like about to put this burning coal inside Jensen's mouth that makes no sense to me because he's trying to get you know information out of Jensen. he's trying to figure out what they're building and the way he's gonna do it is by torturing him fine i get it torture gets information out of people but the form of torture is, is a hot coal destroy in his, his mouth. ability yeah. to communicate <laughs> yeah Vincent better know some sign language. I know. <laughs> Write it down. Well, he knows like 30 <laughs> languages, except for Hungarian, as it, we yeah. find out. So uh, it turns out that Tony is actually building a suit of armor for himself so that he and Jensen can break out and escape. Good old proto-Iron Man. I That's wonder right. what this suit will end up turning one. out as. This is Mark One. And, uh, yeah, they call the armor Mark One, And... Uh, they're uploading what is it they're uploading on the computer i don't know i think it's like an a like maybe an ai type thing because he maybe he's using like the the processor from the missile because it's a smart missile that's right so maybe he's like uploading an a something that'll help the soup function yeah yeah yeah. that's what that's what i always assume that makes sense and it's taken too long so jensen decides to basically sacrifice himself and goes running out of this cave like a goofball yeah which why when he's got the gun and the guys are running away from him why isn't he shooting them i think he has like a no kill policy even though they are basically terrorists because he's a good guy and this is a marvel movie yes Oh, yeah, well, hold true. up. Yeah, because Iron Man's about to kill every person in yeah. this movie. Oh, Flame throws oh, people I guess to so. death. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Tony finally... It's a really great scene, the way they have it set up, because the cave is totally dark, and the military guys come in, and they're going to try to kill Tony, and they're looking all around for him. And then he comes stepping out of the shadows in this armor and, and just starts... blue arc reactor goes... Yeah, it... Lights up in this totally dark room, and he just starts kicking ass in this thing. Yeah, this throwing dudes around. Yeah, this whole scene, as far as the introduction of the armor, oh, it's awesome! It's fantastic. I remember yeah. the part of this, the part in this scene that made me realize I was gonna love this movie because it came out when I was like eleven. Yeah, was the part where the one dude runs up while his arm is stuck, uh, 
and goes to shoot him point point blank with a pistol. Goes to shoot Tony in the head yeah. and with it his helmet on. and hits him square in the forehead, and he just kills himself. <laughs> it was hilarious to little eleven year old me. Yes, and oh, then people shooting themselves in the head. Hilarious Tony, uh, to eleven year old Christian. Oh my gosh! Look, I was born in America. Okay, I was raised on violence. <laughs> no sex though. No boobies. No boobies. Yeah, right. We have a strict no booby policy on superhero fatigue. And Tony comes across Jensen, who's been shot up pretty badly and is dying. And uh, he thought that their plan was to get Jensen back to his family. And Jensen mentions that his family's already dead and that this was his plan all along. And he's going back to his family now that he's dying. That's some forward thinking there, Jensen. (laughs) (laughs) Is Jensen Batman? Look, Jensen planned all along that Tony Stark was going to get captured successfully and build a suit of armor out of the missile parts. Well, he tells him while they're together, like, he's going to go back to his family. So I think he starts planning on it. I know, but it's funnier if I picture it this way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then Tony goes, uh, he uh, shoots a missile at the bald dude and basically... Burns him. Or kills him? Question mark? Question mark, yeah. (laughs) Hey, there's a golden, golden rule in cinema. You don't see the body... They're not dead. Man, even if you do see the body, sometimes they do the one eye open thing or the hand twitches or something like that. Or the dirt vibrates subtly over the coffin. Batman <laughs> versus Superman. Uh, LXG. <laughs> or uh, LXG, or... for those of you who don't use ridiculous acronyms, is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Why That's you gotta how hate it was on LXG, baby. That is a perfect title for that movie. Yeah, I, except the X has to be bigger than everything else oh. in the title font. LXG. It is the triple X uh, Vin <laughs> Diesel movie of superhero movies. Oh, the thing Sean Connery is going to do for his country. Ugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it's also for good guys. If they end up in a body bag, there's a high chance that they are going to unzip that body bag later. And oh, for sure. Sit up. Yeah. Out of no, it. yeah, you you go from death scene to grave scene if you're a good guy and you're actually dead. But if you're a good guy and you're not, you go from death scene to body bag or morgue. Yep. Punisher, <laughs> uh, Street Fighter, Guile does that. It happens a lot. Anyway, uh, Tony goes outside and he flamethrows to death all of these men and blows them to it's pieces. It's pretty horrific, yeah. Because he's, <laughs> he's setting off all of the stockpile Stark missiles that they have yes. by just aiming the flamethrowers at them. They're like fireworks with a little fuse attached. Yeah, you know how when you want to destroy a gun, you, you don't melt down the parts, but instead you just aim fire at it and <laughs> pray it doesn't blow you no, to hell? No, that's how you shoot the gun. You take a flamethrower, point it at the Glock, start blowing away, and then the gun starts popping. And that was all part of Jensen's plan. It was. And Jensen works in mysterious ways. Jensen works in mysterious ways. So Tony flies away, but he doesn't have much fuel. And he stops about 500 feet up in the air, I would guess and then comes crashing down on earth and does not die somehow <laughs> i don't care how soft that sand is you're you're crippled after that especially yeah. when you're wearing a thousand pound metal yeah you're wearing yes. like that explodes that's on not impact. cushioning you much at no all. yeah it's just metal and yeah the the suit once he lands on the ground there are pieces of the suit strewn 
everywhere. And it's like, oh, yeah, Tony Stark is dead. <laughs> and then he wanders in the desert for about five seconds before he's found. 40 days and 40 nights, he wanders. <laughs> 40 seconds. 40 years. He's out there. He's tempted by the devil. All sorts of stuff. <laughs> he, I don't know what it's I was It's a whole say. Marvel mini movie. <laughs> um, and so he's rescued by Rhodey and a bunch of those guys. Rhodey gives him a big old hug. And uh, for for some reason, though, I remembered a scene of the bad guys chasing him until he's found, like him desperately trying to hide. But that doesn't happen. I, yeah, I, don't, remember I don't remember that. that. Yeah. Just when I was watching it, I was like, wait, aren't they chasing him or something? Like he's desperately trying to get away because he didn't kill all of them. No. And they knew where he landed. No, you're so. thinking of the Ten Commandments where the Egyptians are chasing Charlton Heston. That's I always get Charlton Heston and Robert Downey Jr. mixed up. <laughs> Gosh, I'm glad I was here to set you straight. <laughs> No, I'm I've got her. to build this Iron Man <laughs> armor for God in the kidding. NRA. No, there's no way Charlton Heston is going to decide not to make weapons for That's... the military anymore. <laughs> yeah, in the, at the end of Charlton Heston's Iron Man, he builds an Iron Man suit for every U.S. soldier. Oh my God! Got to keep our boys going. <laughs> you blew it up. <laughs> No, I'm just yeah. imagining like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark getting a phone call from Obadiah Stane and Obadiah's shirtless again. And so Tony's like, get off my screen, you damn dirty ape, because he's just You met covered. Charlton Heston. No, no, as... Robert Downey Jr. Oh. <laughs> because I, I get them confused too, man. Oh, man, yep, yep, that'll happen. Um... Just covered in hair, that man is. <laughs> he looks like the interior of a van from the 70s with like a unicorn mark mural <laughs> Obadiah Stane calls him back and has shaved his chest hair into a unicorn oh man <laughs> he's dyed it fluorescent he green he watched Ghost Rider and so he so he shaved O plus A forever this is the Iron Man movie we want but we don't deserve <laughs> this is the Iron Man movie that nobody deserves so Tony calls a press conference uh, immediately after he gets back, and Agent Coulson from Shield shows up. One of my favorite characters in this entire series, absolutely, hands down. I mean, I watch Agents of Shield every week when the new seasons are going. I just watched the newest episode Friday, and it—I gotta admit—warmed my heart a little bit to see Coulson ten years ago because I forget as much as I love him in Agents of Shield, I forgot how awesome he was in the actual films. Yeah. God, I love seeing him. Yeah, man. Yes. Clark Gregg, how perfectly cast. Yeah, he agent he's Coulson, so likable. Dude. He really is. He's, he's likable, someone that but looks he's... Like, he looks like some unassuming, kind of forgettable character, but yeah. he's likable enough where he, you're just like, he, you remember. He's I mean, like he's likable, so... but droll. You know what I mean? Like a little bit droll, like kind of a little yes. dry. Mm -hmm. And that's a, he's the but perfect But he delivers person, his yeah. lines like he knows that he's saying droll stuff. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> I, dude, I love, I love so Clark Gregg in these movies, dude. Um... And so Tony tells the press conference that effective immediately, Stark Industries is no longer going to be building military weapons. Everyone loses their shit. Which, yeah. Everyone well, starts just yeah, freaking out. Absolutely. And Obi, uh, Jeff Bridges, Obadiah Stane does a great job of like immediately trying to save face. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like patting him on the no, back. No, come on, Tony. Let's go <laughs> play with my chest hair. It's a funny scene, too. Like at the press conference, he makes everybody sit down because he just he's oh this is where he has Burger King I think yeah yeah <laughs> it's his cheeseburger well because he gets back to America he's in the limo 
and he's talking to Pepper and he says, I want two things. I've been in captive for three months. I want a good old fashioned cheese, American cheeseburger. And, and then Pepper like smacks his arm and goes gross or whatever. And he's like, not that. God. <laughs> I haven't even seen Obadiah yet. <laughs> <laughs> and some good old fashioned dirty Snapchat. Cue phone call. <laughs> hey, Tony, <laughs> back yet? <laughs> I'm off today. Still yeah, thinking says, about you. <laughs> says he wants a good old-fashioned American cheeseburger, what? and he wants to call a press conference, but he wants the cheeseburger first. So where does he go get a good old-fashioned cheeseburger? At a place that smells like liquid smoke. Burger King, home of the flame-boiled Whopper. Have it your way, baby. Flame-boiled? <laughs> Broiled. That's what I meant. <laughs> Could you but boil you stuff right. in fire? Liquid smokes. That is the stink of Burger King, 100%. It, it is, dude. I walk into Burger King. The play place smells like liquid smoke. The milkshakes taste like liquid Burger smoke. Burger King, the original vape shop. <laughs> Sick clouds, bro. Oh, God. And uh, so, yeah, he, he says they're not going to manufacture weapons anymore. And then the next scene, it's like at uh, Stark Industries, their plant, and Obi rides up on a Segway smoking a big cigar. <laughs> he is just... Why didn't you tell me you were back in town, Tony? <laughs> Let me see your bare chest, Tony. <laughs> Which is accurate. He asked Tony to see his bare chest. <laughs> and oh, I guess he where... does. <laughs> He's meeting uh, Tony there, and they show the giant arc reactor that uh, Tony modeled his uh, miniature model that he has on his chest after and it was originally something that they thought they could make money from but they didn't know how to make it smaller and more condensed and profitable and uh anyway he has now and uh obadiah's giving this whole speech about how they're iron mongers which that'll play into the movie later but uh anyway he knows the whole time that tony's got the arc reactor thing on his chest and so he's playing coy for a while he's like yeah we well we couldn't build it we're never going to be able to build it can't ever be smaller than and this. tony's like who told you was it pepper was it pepper and he's like let me see it it was brody <laughs> it was and brody then unbuttons his shirt and just flashes his chest yep so now they're they're one and one yeah Ob- <laughs> obadiah's been waiting for that since he got home he wanted two things. He wanted two things when Tony got home, and too, he and he hardest, just got one of them. He makes the hardest decision of his life, which is to button that shirt back up for Tony. <laughs> With hands quivering. I want more. <laughs> but I know I shouldn't. <laughs> you could see his hot breath against the arc reactor on his chest. <laughs> He has to sit down and think of dead kittens for a few minutes. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. <laughs> okay. So then we cut to Tony's house. And Tony is in there working on stuff. And the stupid mad money guy is playing on the TV. Yeah. Is there anything more obnoxious and infuriating no. than the mad money guy? You're watching mad money. And I'm mad about something. Stark Industries has plummeted like 40% their stock since he announced they're not making weapons anymore. Sell, sell, sell. Also, if you're going to uh, announce that your company that does this one thing, I mean, they do a lot of stuff, but they do this one thing particularly well. 
if you're going to announce that they're not going to do that thing anymore, maybe turn your TV to a different channel. It's maybe, like, maybe watch TLC for a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> because John you know it's going to be nothing but bad news on the money channel. You want nothing but John and Kate plus eight, baby? Ugh. That's what they're there for. And so this is the scene where Pepper fixes Tony's heart. Aww. Oh, that's gross. It is gross. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. A, and there are sounds, the too. The arc yeah. reactor that he has on his chest was built from scraps and stuff in the, the box cave. Of scraps. You'll the later, box of scraps. You'll later right. hear the word scraps. <laughs> You'll hear Jeff Bridges absolutely destroy someone's eardrums with the word <laughs> oh box God. of the words I box love, of scraps. That's that is my favorite Jeff Bridges line in the whole movie. <laughs> oh man, it's fantastic the way he delivers it. And uh anyway, Tony's built a better model and so Pepper has to help him unplug the other one and reach down into his chest to grab some wires and he goes into cardiac arrest for a moment but it's all played like robert downey jr doesn't miss a beat of like being witty as hell yeah it's not it's not he's going into cardiac arrest oh my god he's he goes oh 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 come on no god now i'm going into cardiac arrest yeah (laughs) (laughs) look what you did oh my gosh i can't believe you oh he's not gonna be happy with you (laughs) she, yeah, she's got like slime and stuff from something that the device. Yeah, she, she, she thinks... reaches down and she says, it, "There's pus." And he's like, and "It's not pus. It's some uh, sort of liquid." That it's the thing... discharged from the arc reactor. But the sound yeah. that it makes with her fingers in there. Oh, my you mean yes. the subtle? <sighs> oh, it's gross. It was gross. <laughs> and that's it's funny that Tom Cruise was considered for this part because Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Cruise have the same build. It's this weird like athletic but athletic at like 50 years old yeah they're both kind of small dudes yeah like robert downey jr and it's like compact muscle in a 50 year old yeah athletic body it's weird but whatever dad fit dad dad fit yep little dad fit little dad fit (laughs) yo what's up i'm little dad fit (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that's the first thing check out that new lp (laughs) little dad fit fire (laughs) <laughs> that's that's that arc reactor. Gasification <laughs> station. Oh, so uh, I have in here. Rody is a dick. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what he says to Tony. Oh, oh, Tony goes to him and he wants to tell him about uh, that he's planning on building this armor to become Iron Man. And Rody is like, "No, what you need to do is get your mind right or whatever." And he's just like giving him a hard talking to out of Come nowhere. on, man! You gotta learn. You gotta learn the streets, man. That's all that scene is, is just Rhodey being the dude from Hustle and Flow. It's it's ridiculous. Let's let's turn it down a notch on that though. Yeah. Nice accent there, Christian. I'm impersonating. In his, in his defense, Howard. I did just say what's up, I'm fit dad bot. Whatever, whatever I said a moment ago. Imp- I'm, I'm fit dad bot. That's my new EP, Fit Dad Bod. I'm impersonating a specific role a specific actor played in a movie. A specific one. Shut up. Uh, I called this album Daddy's Home because uh, I feel like it's a return to form for me, kind of. Back to my basics and shit. Kind of like out. I'm home. That's know what I'm saying? That's fine. Shout out to my form. All right. We're all done with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, and this is it. This is where they're, they're in the sandstorm. The bald yeah. guy who's the leader of the oh terrorists. Oh, my God. Like, they're in the sandstorm, and they're... This is back in Afghanistan. Yeah. It's the, the main leader for the uh, militant terrorist guys they're... that had Tony Stark captive. And the one that was 
dead? Question mark. <laughs> He's like still alive. Looking for the suit, or they're looking for Tony, or something. They're looking for the armor. They're and trying one of to them put it back finds together. the mask and holds it up, almost like he's saying, hey, we have the mask now. We can reverse engineer the armor from this just sheet of metal. (laughs) And then you see the bald-headed leader who's now got this giant, wet, open wound. Like, you can see it glisten. And he's in a sandstorm. And that's all I was thinking was, dude, cover that up. That's gonna get infected, you you bandage wounds. God. You're getting all sorts of shit in there. Like, God. (laughs) Yeah, it's gross. It's hard to watch. And that's Um, how he became Sandman. (laughs) I thought that was through the love of his dying daughter. No, Iron Man is actually the Sandman origin story. Oh. Okay. Yep. Does he still kill Uncle Ben? No, no. not in this version. Oh man. The MCU would never do that. <laughs> I hope. Um and then I've got the prop team for this movie did an amazing job. I think it's when he's building like the the whatever the thrusters and stuff, yeah. the boots that he's going to wear on his feet and everything. And just all the all the tools and everything he's fiddling with and mm-hmm. like dioramas for it and everything. I was like, man, they did such a good job. Well, I know it's. I think it's cool that they show like the stages of work. You know yeah. what I mean? And I they think show they show how believable. it works and how it functions. And, yeah, like, it's it's believable, and I, I think it's awesome. It really is. It's it's great. I don't it, think I don't know if they've done anything like this good as far as props and stuff go in the MCU since. I don't know. I mean, the briefcase suit from Iron Man Two is pretty cool. The way yeah. they show that assemble around him and everything. But, I liked. Uh, I liked the way that the Hulkbuster suit also assembled. But yeah. really, it's just stuff centering around Iron Man because I guess his is the most mechanical. Yeah, if they didn't so get this happen- right with this movie, it would have really like put a damper yeah, but, on the rest of but the. But man, movie. they they really did nail it. Oh yeah. Um, and so he tries out these thruster boots at. 10% thrust capacity. Smacks under the wall. And, yeah, it throws him up into the ceiling, and he... And then Jarvis, his robot, is kind of like uh What do you call those? Like, I don't know. You see the type of robots a lot in movies nowadays and, and stuff. It's like a Mars rover type thing, but with a, a little computer or robot arm coming off of yeah. it that can function and do things. And it starts spraying him with the fire extinguisher as soon as he crashes. That one's got a name. What is it? Dummy. Is that that's just what he call? I know he calls it dummy. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> I didn't know that was the actual name for it. Yeah. Um, and then he does the flight stabilizer test. He realizes he's going to need something to help stabilize, and so he makes uh, gloves for it that also have thrusters and just help him balance out a little bit. And uh, then Obi shows up with pizza and news about the Stark Industries board trying to lock Tony out. Yeah, they file. He said that they filed an injunction, and this scene made me laugh because Tony said he was going to fight it, and Obadiah was like, "No, no, don't fight it." And he was like, "No, nah, I'm going to go back down to my basement. I'm totally going to fight it." And Obadiah's like, "No, stay." And he's like, "Nope, I'm going to my basement." And he says, "Fine," and he yanks the pizza away from Tony and says, "You don't get any of this." And then as soon as Tony turns around, he says. Okay, take a couple pieces. Yeah, have a slice. <laughs> take two, take two. I half expected him to open it and his junk just be laid out. And I wonder if... I noticed Robert Downey Jr. folds his pizza in half yeah, to eat it. that's a New York thing. Do, that Yeah, I thought so. I mean, do y'all do anything like that with your pizza? I know pe- some people eat it, like, crust first. If I get, like, a the really... The only people who eat it crust first are in Pizza Hut stuff crust commercials. Don't give me that. Yeah. If Don't I get, like, a that. really wide <laughs> slice that I would have to, like 
take a bite out of, then shift to the other side and take a bite out of. I might fold it up like that, but let's just all agree it's that, weird no. to eat pizza with a knife and fork. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people it's who wrong. Eat, people who eat any kind of fast food with a knife and fork, I will except pick for up, maybe like chili cheese fries. I will pick up my plate if the slice is too big and slide it. <laughs> Off the plate, uses, bit by bit, as I'm taking bites as, off the edge. Ren using his plate as a loading dock for his mouth. Yes. <laughs> I will do that long before I ever pick up a knife and fork for my pizza. And I kept wondering if this is a real uh, pizza place from New York. I have no idea. Because he said it's like the New York's best or whatever. I, think I it's don't Ray's know. Pizza or something. I like feel that. like every pizza place in New York is New York's best, though. Yeah, that's true. They all advertise as get New the York's best. Get the best slice. <laughs> the best right pie and if you don't get it in what is it like 10 minutes or less then peter parker gets fired <laughs> <laughs> hey pizza time man pizza time's pizza time there are rules shit what you know about pizza time and then he's testing out like the stabilizers and stuff like that and jarvis is like kind of aiming the fire extinguisher at him and he's just like don't or dummy i guess the yeah. robot dummy is and he's like, don't, don't aim it at me. You know what? Just point it downward or whatever. Like, I feel like when the you aim it just at goes, me, I'm going to catch on fire. <laughs> and then he like, he does like the flight stuff and then he lands and then dummy immediately shoots back up, ready to shoot it at him. And Tony Stark goes, like, no, 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 no. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah. His, it's amazing that Robert Downey Jr.'s rapport with just a, a robot. robot in this scene is still just as good as if he's talking to any human. I imagine when they filmed it, it was a broomstick with like a tennis ball attached. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Actually, it's a real robot. Oh yeah, probably it because I mean, even it's the a... suit, a lot of the suit was practical. Uh, it was most of the suit was made out of rubber and uh, uh, metal. Yeah. Uh, and then they CGI'd in some stuff. Yeah. I would. I would murder somebody. To have that suit in my home, the yeah. the screen test suit. Oh yeah. man, how cool would nice. that be? Um, and then cool he tests the full armor. He takes it for a flight, which the robot warns him against. But he's like, Yeah, Jarvis he's... says, "Don't do it." And he says, "You gotta run before you can walk." Yeah, sometimes Jarvis, you gotta run before you, you walk. So he takes off and starts flying around and does all this cool stuff. And then he gets back and says, "Kill power." To land on the roof, but he's a little too high up, so he ends up crashing through the roof, crashing through a grand piano, and landing on his, like... On one of his cars, and then Dummy... It's like a, a cobra yeah. that he lands on. And then Dummy fire extinguishes and him. And then he fire extinguishes him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've got that gets fire extinguished. <laughs> uh, and then he hears about some event that they're saying, oh, Tony's almost certainly not going to show up at oh, this thing. Oh, it's like the third annual Tony Stark firefighter benefit ball or something. Yeah, some, some, yeah. some gala thing. And, of course, Tony Stark only shows up if he's not invited. So he gets there, and that's where we have the... Uh, um, oh, before he leaves, he does the he tells the computer to throw a little hot rod red onto the suit, yeah. which I thought was a good explanation for having red on the Iron Man armor. I it mean, seems, not that it needs to be explained. But it seems like something he would do, yes. for sure. And I, I, I have Especially here that... Especially because the movie shows him working on the car a lot. Yeah, it does. And I said uh, the explanation for and handling of the little details in Iron Man's story are great. 
Not like Ghost Rider. Exactly. It's the antithesis of that, where Ghost Rider, they're just over-explaining the yeah. crap out of everything yeah. that you don't need to know. And then, and and then like, we're going to show you how he got his jacket. How did he get the he chain? chain? Yeah, things... Yeah, In there, a really are, unremarkable way. Yeah. I, he grabbed it. Like, there are there <laughs> are throwaway details. There are. You just you yes. put a little tidbit in there, and then that's it. Yep. I don't need an origin story for the spikes on a jacket. Yeah. I don't <laughs> need, like, a whole two-minute CGI scene dedicated to those spikes. <laughs> to him chiaing the spikes out of his yeah. jacket. <laughs> nice and uh, jacket. at the gala that he shows up at, this is where we have the Stan Lee cameo as Hugh Hefner, basically. I think I it's supposed to be just Tony mistaking him for Hugh Hefner. Yeah, because in the next movie, I... he mistakes him for Larry King. That's right. That's right. Um, and then Coulson shows up again. Coulson's trying to meet with Tony Stark this whole time, and he kind of keeps getting the uh, the brush off. Yeah. And uh, But he pops in every now and then, and it's nice. Which, the first time I watched this movie, I really didn't. I, I'm not a comic fan. I'm a comic movie fan, but really I haven't read comics so much. And so I really didn't know what S.H.I.E.L.D. was. And so all throughout the movie, like I I had a small conception of what S.H.I.E.L.D. was, but like they weren't something that I was invested in. And so I had no idea who he was. And so whenever later you find out he's part of S.H.I.E.L.D., it it, it actually, I thought it was, I thought that was well done too for people who didn't know what that was but like they had a familiarity you know what I mean? And they're just calling it for comic book fans, it's still kind of kept somewhat secretive because they're calling it strategic, strategic homeland, homeland something Emergency i don't know i don't know i've got it written somewhere in here but or something like that uh, yeah so nobody knows really i knew you would finish the acronym well, if we started it well, i'm not sure i'm not sure if that's what it stands for or not because it, it stands, probably is it's, even in the comics in one comic it stands for this and another one it stands for this and in this movie it stands for something different right yeah, yeah. yes yeah it stands for something a lot more practical and realistic than <laughs> anything in the comics, I'm sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was a little comic book nerd uh, by the time this movie came out. I mean, I grew up learning how to read from comic books. But even when he set out the name, I didn't catch it until the very end when Pepper says, oh, you're from the strategic blah, blah, blah. And he says, just call it S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Lost my mind at that point. <laughs> yeah, this movie does a great job just teasing fans. Yeah. And it's... It was the it's they handle it so perfectly for mm-hmm. how it's setting up, like, oh, we can actually build a universe off mm-hmm. of this. Like this is realistic especially with now. the end credit scene. Yeah, yeah, like clearly, like I like series that were planned from the start to be series, and so they don't have to explain away anything later on. And this was clearly planned to be part of a series, and they nailed it the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. They nailed and it. it gets awkward later on in other movies where they'll have a cutaway scene or something. That's clearly just establishing another sequel. This one's enough to where it doesn't upset the main story that's going yeah. on. At oh, all. Ab- no, absolutely not. And it not. feels yeah. so awkward later on in other ones. Well, because but... at this point, you don't know. Like, you have an idea that maybe they're going to try and do the Avengers. But you don't know if they're going to include Thor or Captain America, Hulk, Ant-Man, Wasp. Yeah. You don't know who's coming because you don't know. The general public really didn't have a huge knowledge of which studios owned which rights. It wasn't as big in the... Uh, public mind at that point people just thought oh well somebody makes spider-man movies somebody makes x-men movies i wonder why they don't meet okay um (laughs) uh and there's kind of an awkward scene in here too where colson shows up tony and pepper start dancing 
And then it does a weird cut to Coulson just watching them dance. <laughs> he looks like a total creep. He's been talking to Obadiah. In the corner. Yeah. <laughs> He's in love with Pepper. Picks Obadiah up his phone. Obi, is Tony. this the guy you were telling me about? <laughs> Obi, Obadiah and Phil just have a group message where they send pictures of Tony <laughs> as they come across him. <laughs> I'm sure lots of those group messages actually exist. <laughs> oh my god, Tony's such a slut. We figured out a fanfic. <laughs> if you're a fanfic author... Here you go. Here's an idea. You're welcome. <laughs> Obadiah and Phil Coulson's secret love for Tony Stark. I think we're nearly 10 years too late for this because that's got to be a thing already. <laughs> um, and then the reporter lady from before shows back up and she's ruining Tony's night again. She's she, mad. She tells him about uh, some village near where he was captured that's getting attacked by not just some village it's a uh, grimia where Jensen was from yeah oh yeah. yeah that's right that's right i don't i didn't make that connection but nice. yeah so tony of course you know he feels that sense of responsibility because Jensen sacrificed his life for him and all that you know movie stuff all that good stuff Film, yeah cinema storytelling <laughs> oh and then we also get to uh Obi admitting that he filed the injunction against Yeah, he Tony. filed the oh, injunction yes. because he's the one who's been selling to the other side. That's right. But yeah, and he he doesn't he says that he filed the injunction, but he he never actually admits to like selling to the other side, but it's very clear he's the villain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're definitely setting it up that way. Um and then Tony goes and he finally like suits up to go into action. And he's wearing those like Vibram five finger shoes on his like full yeah. body suit. This is definitely 2008. <laughs> if you don't know what Vibram five fingers are, uh, they were an abomination. An abomination. Go look them up online. Imagine uh, toe socks, but shoes. I absolutely owned and still own a pair of those in my closet, and I wore them for about two months. Vibrams or toe socks. Vibrams. Oh man! Fingers. Yeah. Why are they called five fingers? What the, that doesn't you even have sense. five fingers if you're a normal person. Oh god! You ain't normal Christian. <laughs> Where'd they go? <laughs> I need an arc reactor for my nubs. <laughs> That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Whatever. I'm a unibeam you twice. I got two huh. unibeams. Yeah, but they're they're <laughs> tiny, so they would. You think if you had Iron Man armor, would it include those fingers too? I feel like it would, maybe prosthetic. If Christian, sure, like, if Christian built it, they would. I'm Christian, sure the computer system could control those two and just have them do whatever the fingers next to them are doing. Look, if I built Iron Man armor, that's some really round Iron Man armor. Do I have like boob armor? <laughs> the Iron Ball. Iron Ball. <laughs> just looks like one of those weightlifting balls. <laughs> The iron baked but with potato. A face. I uh, I am Iron Sphere. I'm Iron Sphere. <laughs> what? Um, and then yeah, he uh, Tony flies over to where was it? Uh, Grimia or Grima or something like that. When I watched it at first, I thought Jensen said he was from Crimea, which is the place that Russia annexed. Which would make no Ukraine. sense. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> She said Crimea, so it's like Grumia or Germaya or something like that. It's uh, Gamora. <laughs> That's why it was destroyed. That's why they're over there destroying it. <laughs> Sodom's next, I tell you. 
Good and Saddam Hussein. The militant guys are like killing civilians and everything. And one guy yells, put the women in the trucks. Yuck. What? Yeah, I know. I noticed that. I was that's like, as far oh, as I need them to suggest. Oh, man. Yeah, that's wait, pretty. Wait, you don't like when it's. No. So no, like in... no, that's okay. So like in Batman versus Superman, when it opens with just the millions of Asian women packed into that tiny wet basement. Yeah, I didn't need that. (laughs) I know, like these are bad guys. Okay, they're destroying a village. I know they're bad guys. Yes. Let's not let's not introduce all the horrors of war to little (laughs) kids watching Iron Man. Luckily, all of that is diverted by a superhero landing from Iron Man when he comes in. Yeah, and, uh, this is one of the most badass sequences. I know. And he and he movie. does superhero land. Yeah, yes, also I think he's like what? one of the yeah. original cinema cinematic superhero landings because they all happened in Dragon Ball Z before that. Well, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and his targeting system in this scene is badass oh too. Oh my god, when he targets Where, the five yeah, all the terrorists dudes. are like holding civilians. These women like they're gonna kill him, and he like puts his hand down like he can't do anything. But then his targeting system just picks out all those guys, and he has this little shoulder gun come up and just shoot all of them dead and save the yeah, civilians. Yeah, this is this is also an awesome scene because like Tony isn't saying anything, and it's just like silent death, and it's awesome. He's just killing. And then Tony leaving the bad guy leader to the villagers is also pretty. I thought badass. that was perfect. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't kill the main bad guy. He's just like, well, he's yours now, and takes off. And they all start approaching the bad guy, and it's like. Yes, this is what he deserves. I like this. Children of the corn shit. I mean, he's a bad guy, and I don't blame him, but it's still some children of the corn shit, and it freaked me (laughs) out. At first, I thought you said I don't blame them. At first, I thought you were saying I don't blame him. I was like, (laughs) you don't blame the guy that just rounded up women to put them into trucks. Don't tell me why. I don't need to know. (laughs) I was eleven when I saw this. Don't ruin it for me. But man, Tony is killing a lot of people. Yeah, in this he movie. just murders. <laughs> yeah, I know. He really does. I, I didn't think about it earlier. He really does violate the the superhero like understood no kill thing, and he kills a lot of people. And yes, not even like not even ex- not even just explosions or like you know leaving them to their fate, but just straight up straight up shoots a bunch of bad guys. Shoots them or yeah. punches them so hard. They fly into rocks. Yeah, see, but that's a that's a superhero movie death because you don't actually oh, yeah, know that they're true. dead that's a superhero movie death shooting somebody with a rocket lighting somebody on fire not so much a superhero Man, movie when he death. blows up the tank that's arguably the most iconic shot from this movie oh yeah that was my computer oh, background for a long time iron man walking away from an exploding tank <laughs> he definitely does the it is such a cliche though. yeah he does walking the walking away, away from... from an explosion moment and it almost doesn't – I know it's cliché. It almost doesn't feel cliché to me, and I think the only reason is because rather than being in the center of the frame, he's on the right of the frame. Well, that yeah. – and, and that's the only reason. He's <laughs> in a me- metallic battle suit. Yeah. I think that adds a little bit. It's not like you're watching yeah. Detective Dirk Diggler with a gun just walking out of an explosion. I guess. Yeah, it's certainly more believable. Mind you, the second he fired the rock, he fires a rocket at this tank to blow it up. And the second he fired the rocket, I knew what the next 10 seconds of the movie were going to be like. (laughs) Oh, and then they, the military gets word, like the American military gets word what's going on there. And, uh, they're like, Hey, we, we never cleared you guys to do that. And he's like, yeah, they were using human shields. We never got the green light, which, (laughs) 
give me a break a little bit with that. They never got the green light because the bad guys were using human shields. Come on, we know you better than that, America. <laughs> I wish that world militaries worked this way. Yeah, look, we 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 live in modern times, okay? Yeah, this we is like know. <laughs> this is like oh, we've got only like there's only going to be a twenty percent uh, civilian casualty rate. We're good to go in. That's what it really yeah. would be. Um, then the Air Force engages Iron Man, and uh, Rhodey's superior is a huge dick. <laughs> He's like. <laughs> Rhodey realizes that it's Tony that's in the suit. He calls well, Tony, he calls Tony on the phone, which is a funny scene. Yeah, where Tony is talking to him on the phone, like he's just driving his car, and Rhodey is like, "Hey, did you send anything over here?" And he's like, "Oh, no, 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 I'm good." And Rhodey is like, oh, "Okay, because we're about to blow it out of the sky." Yeah, and he's like, "Why do you sound out of breath?" Oh, it's just going for a jog. I thought you were going for a drive. <laughs> I yeah, was driving to go to a jog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the part when. Uh, he finally breaks down and he's like, all right, yeah, Rhodey, it's me, it's me, it's me. And yeah. he's like, well, then kill it. Bring it, send it back home or something. Leave the military alone. He's like, no, no, I'm in it. And Rhodey just <laughs> gets this, suit. oh, shit, yeah. look on his face. <laughs> the look on his face. And you know what? I'll go ahead and say this now. Uh, what's his name? Terrence? Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. Um, I feel like, you know, there was some behind-the-scenes drama a little bit he wanted more money than the star of the movie yeah that's well i i the way i understood it is just that he wanted more money no he, he because was mad robert downey jr was being paid a lot more than him no he wasn't being paid a lot more what happened was uh terrence howard was paid a lot more than robert down robert downey jr only made like nine hundred thousand dollars off iron man one and uh terrence howard made like 13 million because robert, Down robert downey jr wasn't a bankable star or anything Huh. He was, I mean, he'd only been out of jail four or five years when production started and everything. I see. You know, he was still a risk. I mean, he'd made Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but that's it. And so in Iron Man 2, when they started doing negotiations, uh, Terrence Howard found out that they were going to take away a little bit of his money to give to Robert Downey Jr. Because Robert Downey Jr. Mm. was going to play such a more significant role because he's playing Tony Stark in an Iron Man movie, and that made him mad, and so he left. And honestly, I don't think I would blame him for that. That's I mean, kind of I get it. That was before Oscar's So White and stuff like that, so I think at this point a lot of African-American actors were pretty fed up with a lot of things going on in Hollywood. And Terrence Howard seems like a fairly irritable guy to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, so Terrence I... Howard, the guy who insists it's possible to multiply one by one and it equals zero yeah irritable (laughs) (laughs) but what i was gonna say is that i like terrence howard more than don Cheadle in the role oh absolutely yeah i think i I think he has he has the like no nonsense aspect to his character that you don't really see much from don Cheadle later on he's more he's more well-rounded as a character i think and (sighs) And I believe him more as like a stern figure because he's honestly more of a stern person. But he also, I think Terrence Howard, he has, uh, in in almost a completely opposite way, Terrence Howard has more of a buddy face to where moments where he's being buddy-buddy feel more genuine yes. than they do with Don Cheadle. I don't Don know, Cheadle has man. yet to capture like the buddy feeling or the sternness or anything. Yeah. He's just kind of there. I see. I disagree. I think not only do I think Don Cheadle overall is a be- better actor than Terrence Howard, but 
I prefer him as Rhodey. Uh, he's my, I mean, I understand what you guys are saying, but I mean, I disagree. There, are, like, there are scenes in uh, Iron Man two where I felt like the buddy buddy relationship was much closer. Hmm. Uh, in Age of Ultron, during the hammer lifting scene, and I did, I, it's been a while since I've seen Iron Man two or uh, a lot of other Don Cheadle's work in this role. So I, I could, I might backtrack yeah. on my, and I mean, you guys on, might, but... you guys, you might still feel that way. I mean, it's, it's really an opinion thing. They're, they both do a good job. They I do. Think. Yeah. They're both pretty good. I just, my personal preference is Don Cheadle and Don Cheadle's Don Cheadle seems like he's more down to like be a part of this universe and everything. And he's yeah. okay with the pay yeah. or whatever. From and I it. think that that's the most important thing now that this is like a franchise franchise. You know yeah. I, mean? I think, Terrence Howard looked at it like, I'm not going to lose money. Like, I'm sorry if, if y'all are going to do that, I'm out. And Don Cheadle kind of saw the potential like, oh, there's going to be a bunch of these movies. So I have potential to make a lot more money off this anyway. So it yeah. doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> anyway, Tony uh, tells uh, Rhodey just to say like it was a training exercise as the excuse for like what the military is going to say in their statement. And he's like, nobody is going to buy that. And then, and then it hard cuts yeah. to him. It was an unfortunate uh, training exercise gone wrong or whatever to the press. And they're, they're not really buying it, but whatever. Um, and then pepper discovers Tony in the Iron Man armor down in his warehouse. And yeah. this is the scene where we see Captain America's shield on his table in the background. Yeah, it's, it's a little tease. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that took a while for people to notice. I mean, yeah. like, at least a few months or I think the movie was still in theaters, but they were suddenly the internet was like, Oh my yeah. God, you see Captain America's shield. And it was just one more like little nugget of this building. A yeah. I, I didn't notice on. it when I first saw it. Uh, I remember hearing about it and looking it up and getting really excited because there was this website I used to go to and I want to say it was called theatermovies.com or something like that or wildmovies.com. It was a movie website. That sounds 100% like an illegal website where you pirated movies. It was it it wasn't. It would <laughs> it would talk about upcoming movies that are going to be in theaters and things like that. And one thing I read on there uh about a year before this movie came out was that Brad Pitt was going to be playing Captain America. And mm. I wasn't like the seasoned film fan that I am now. And so I heard that and I was like, well, he's strong and blonde. Okay. <laughs> and so I saw the shield and I was like, we're getting the Brad Pitt Captain America movie guys. It's coming. And thank God we didn't. Yeah. Thank God for the Captain America we got. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Man, he actually, uh, Chris Evans tweeted something today. I don't know if y'all saw it. There was a kid who was being bullied, and there was a video online of him talking about just he's being bullied because he's got some, there, there's a medical issue going on for sure. Like, uh, he's, he speaks a little bit off, and uh, he's got kind of a large nose. And anyway, he's crying in his car, and his mom is filming him and asking him what happened, and he's just saying that he doesn't understand why bullies act the way that they do or whatever. And then Chris Evans like retweeted it, but added his own tweet to it saying like, Hey man, don't let this world like make you hard or anything. It's going to get a lot better in the future. And how would you and your mom like to come with me next year to the Avengers premiere? Oh, that would be, a, I mean, that's it awesome, was fantastic. Yeah, Chris Evans is the kind of dude who he spends his time 
going to the Boston Miracle Network Hospital dressed as Captain America. He is America's sweetheart. Yeah, he really, sure. really is. Before any of the uh, all this nonsense has come out about uh, uh, people sexually assaulting and everything in Hollywood, I remember like months before that there was some old movie that uh, Marlon Brando and the director. Basically, Marlon Brando has a sex scene with this girl. The actress was like 19 at the time. And then he starts doing something really inappropriate in the scene. And it turns out that he and the director talked about it beforehand. And they did not tell the actress because they wanted a genuine reaction from her. Basically, they're filming someone being molested. And it scarred her for years. And she hated the director, and the director is just talking about it like, yeah, I don't blame her, but, you know, we had to get that good reaction or whatever. No, you did not. And Chris Evans <laughs> tweeted about it, and he's like, this is this is disgusting. Like, you you guys should be ashamed of yourselves and everything. <laughs> Chris Evans is, as much as I love Robert Downey Jr., as much as I'm excited Tom Holland is Spider-Man in the MCU, Chris Evans is probably not just my favorite actor, but easily my favorite character in the Marvel and Cinematic And kind of universe. unexpectedly so, because yeah. we'd seen him as Human Torch, yeah. who is like more of a Tony Stark, kind of cocky. Yeah, when oh, I heard man. he was going to be... I hated that. Yeah. I did too. And so when yeah, when he was going to be Captain America, it was like, oh man, they got him. Like, yeah. And it felt wrong at the time. He's like, mm-hmm. no, he's already Human Torch. You can't do that. Yeah. And then but, I saw First Avenger in theaters and I was completely blown away. And he's just grown and grown and grown into being my favorite character in the movies. Mine too. Absolutely. Um, and then we get a scene of Obi meeting with the, with Baldy, the guy who's in charge of the terrorists. And he uses that weird device. That's like, what is it exactly? He presses the button and he wears earbuds. So it won't affect him. It's, I think it it's makes, like a sonic device that yeah, like, it, it, locks they never establish up, it totally. But then it like spider webs, the veins in their face. Yeah. It makes their veins bulge out on their Maybe face. It makes you hold your breath very hard also maybe it makes you feel like rogue from x-men is kissing you <laughs> and veins that aren't there pop out of suddenly your head. just bulge out and then he has all the other terrorists killed and i think this is a big reason why i thought that guy was being set up as the mandarin because he's not killed all the other ones are shot to death yeah. or at least you don't see him killed. yeah and like i said gold rule of cinema if you exactly. don't see the body they're probably not dead and I would not be disappointed at all if they did bring this guy back as like the real Mandarin or something. Yeah, later no, he on. did fine. I thought he did because I, he did fine. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's something people don't know. Uh, is that I keep a saying lot of Mandarin? Yeah. It's Mandarin. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's irritating Mandarian. a lot of people. Listening. Mandalorian. Mandalorian. <laughs> Boba Fett's coming to the MCU, Mandolin. baby. <laughs> Mandolin. <laughs> but uh, the Mandarin in Iron Man three isn't the actual Mandarin because there's a one shot called, I think it's called all hail the King that yes. implies that there's a real Mandarin out there. We'll get there. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, after that, uh, Tony, he, he can't go to his company, I guess, because he's kind of being locked out or something like yeah. that. So he has pepper go to his office or to uh, Obadiah's office and, uh, hack into the mainframe. They use that terminology. <laughs> And uh, she figures out Obadiah's true intentions. She sees the video that the the terrorist terrorist filmed the classic terrorist video where the American hostage is sitting there. Yeah, and they pull the bag off his head. And they are talking, and she hits a translator button, and it's directed towards Obi, mm-hmm. saying that 
they were they didn't know that it was going to be Tony Stark or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they were hired to capture and kill him. Yes. And uh, then it's a kind of tense scene where Obi shows up and he sees her in there and she's like trying to hide the uh, hard drive. The, yeah. And uh, anyway, she gets up and she, she like it finishes downloading just in time and she gets up and leaves and then he sits down and he sees that she downloaded some stuff. And man, but he's talking to her and Jeff Bridges does this in a lot of movies. He has this way of sipping his drink loudly, like sucking it out of the glass and then he sucks it out of his mustache. He does it as the dude in the Big Lebowski, and he does it in other movies, and it irritates the shit out of me every time. I can't stand like these eating and like slurping noises, like in my own yeah, as somebody who everyday lives, life. As somebody who lives with Ren, if you do anything above a very quiet whisper when eating or drinking something, Ren will not. He won't be like, "Hey, why are you making that noise?" He'll be like. So, uh, are you gonna drink that any quieter or <laughs> very passive aggressive? Didn't, didn't your dad like almost ruin your Thanksgiving with his eating noises or oh, something man. like that? The road trip to Phoenix from here was the longest trip of my life, and it gets worse as I get older because I'm so much more aware of stuff like that. And dad makes dad noises like you would not believe. <clears throat> yeah, he's constantly <clears throat> clearing his throat and hawking stuff up and. His like his allergies were really bad at the time, and it's oh man. Anyway, Jeff Bridges. Anytime he's carrying a drink in a movie, I'm just getting ready for him sucking that thing out of his mustache. <laughs> and uh, anyway, Pepper walks away, and she bumps into Coulson. Thank God, who's there to kind of like help her out and escort her out of the building. Uh, as Obi stands on the next floor, looking down like very menacingly. And this, yeah, this is where you really find out Obi is the bad guy of the yeah. movie. He's been setting all this up, and. Uh, trying to get Tony killed and all this. And, um, oh, and this is where Obi has his Aunt May moment. Oh, gosh. Where... So an Aunt May moment within our group of friends is a moment where a normally calm character uh, screams. Immediately, they, they go from calm to not calm quickly enough to where it scares the shit out of you. Yeah, it's Come supposed on. to be like a powerful moment <laughs> yeah. in the movie, them suddenly yelling and raising their voice to really like get the main character's attention and the audience's attention. And, it's, uh, uh, it also, and it comes from Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. We, it also goes by the uh, scary Bilbo name. Yes, yeah, when Bilbo lashes Bilbo. out because he wants the ring and yeah. his face changes. It's exactly like that. And it's Obi horrifying. is asking the scientists to make an arc reactor. And they're like, well, we don't really have the technology. And he's like, well, the technology is right here. All I'm asking you to do is make it smaller. And they're like, like oh, we no, we it. tried. <laughs> Obadiah Stane just goes. Hold on, go. You get back from that microphone before you do that. <laughs> Obadiah Stane goes. Well, Tony Stark did this in a cave with a box of scraps. Yeah, you peeped a bunch on that audio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he is man. He's like getting right up in this. Yeah, it's face. horrifying. There's spittle flying. It scared me. The first time I watched it, it scared me half to death. Uh, and we made fun of it just a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he realizes he can't get an arc reactor out of these guys, so he's just going to go and take Tony's out of his chest. So That's Tony's horrifying. sitting down. Yeah, it's another like creepy moment. He's sitting down, and then suddenly the veins start raising out of his face, and Obi's there right behind him, and he's got that device. Okay, he- in what world is Jeff Bridges fat and hairy a sneakster. 
I would classify Jeff Bridges as fat. Jeff Bridges isn't fat. He gained a lot of weight for this movie. He still looks just pretty thick to me. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's got some little pudge there, a little weight. But he, did, he did. He gained weight specifically for that film. That's that's a weird role to gain weight for, for me. No, look big and imposing. Uh, what's his, Vincent D'Onofrio did it for Kingpin. Who knows, like, what effects the device have. It is a sonic thing, so maybe he had it turned on and Tony's yeah, ears aren't working right, and then suddenly he feels the pain and everything of it. But it's supposed to incapacitate people for, like, 15 minutes. And uh, anyway, so he unhooks the arc reactor and pulls it out of Tony's chest. And... Uh, Peppers with Coulson and she calls Rhodey to like ask him to go check on Tony and uh, Tony's like crawling at his house trying to get to the arc reactor that Pepper pulled out of his chest mm-hmm. before the crappy one he made in the cave. Uh, she like gave it to him as a memento in this little glass case and it was adorable. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he gets to it and he's just about to reach it and then he can't and he falls down and it's like he's going to die. And then you see dummy Jarvis robot just like slowly hand it down to him. Which I thought it was weird that they had that scene where the, you know, it's supposed to be like his saving grace. Dummy hands him the arc reactor. But then later on, uh, uh, is it Rhodey comes and saves him and he's still laying there. Like he is still incapacitated. And I thought that that was weird. Well, it could have been, I mean, it's a heart thing. So you know, someone yeah, Jacob doesn't like... know anything about heart stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, if that's the thing, because the second it's taken out of his chest, he's he goes ghost white, you know, yeah. and he, he's instantly feeling bad. So you would think the second he had it back, he would well, feel better. What was kind of jarring to me is that he doesn't have enough strength to stand back up and grab it off of the counter. And uh, Jarvis hands it to him. And he grabs it and slams it into the ground and breaks it open. And I was like, wait, you had the strength to do that? but you Maybe he was just up? flopping his arms around. <laughs> I guess. And so, yeah, Man, he plugs it back in. if the listeners could have been here to see me do that. And uh, Obi uses the arc reactor yeah. to activate the armor. Because he realizes that uh, Coulson and Pepper are on their way to him. And Coulson's like a part of the government, a branch of the government, and they're going to stop him. And uh, since this is Obi's first suit, does that make it Obi-Wan? Uh? Get out. That's all I was thinking the whole time. I thought of it at the very beginning of the movie, and I was like, oh, i got to insert this joke later. Remember to insert this later. We... I'm glad, I am glad you remembered that, Ren. <laughs> we have made it... Farther in this episode than any other episode without me making a dumb joke. I haven't made a dumb joke yet. You You're should have welcome. saved that for when I You're did. Welcome. You welcome, didn't f- welcome to Christianhood. You didn't fall on the sword this time. You, <laughs> you just made a dumb joke. You had your own sword. But Obi-Wan, I wonder if that's the same as Obi-Wan. <laughs> that's the Star Wars parody from Family. Okay. Um <laughs> Rhodey gets to Tony, and Tony heads out to save Pepper, and uh, they tease War Machine a little bit here. Uh, For anybody who hasn't seen the second movie, Rhodey ends up getting to suit up as Iron Man, and he sees like a mock Iron Man armor nearby and just says, Maybe next time, baby. Not maybe. He just turns and goes, Next time, baby. I don't remember exactly. Come on. Sorry. Maybe doesn't sound nearly as cool. 
maybe I'll get to do that in the next movie. I can't wait. Uh, I, maybe Tony will let me take his suit for a ride. <laughs> and that was the big joke whenever he was eventually recast for the second movie. Everyone was posting that meme. Next time, baby. Nope, guess not. <laughs> um, and then Coulson and Pepper find Ironmonger, which is what Obi is calling himself now in his new giant. It's like a giant Iron Man suit. Yeah, it looks like the Mark One, but big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bigger because which, which Mark makes, One's big. It's this huge, like silver. Picture giant like robot. in between Mark One and Hulkbuster. Yeah, and that's about what you got. And it, yeah, and, and it makes total sense because uh, it makes total sense because they took the designs from the Mark One suit. Yeah. So yeah, totally makes sense. He sounds a lot like uh, Megatron from the Transformers movie in this, like Prime. Like that's what I was thinking a lot. <laughs> Stark. When I he, this isn't even Tony. He's just a spurned lover at this point. He really is. So his you never returned my shirtless phone call. <laughs> <laughs> And he loses his mind really out of nowhere, kind of. It's like, okay, dude, the more like crazy destruction you get away with now, like the more evidence there is that you did this. Also, corporate takeovers do not happen via mech suit. And he leaves <laughs> in the real mech world. suit murder. He leaves Coulson alive, and I was like, I mean, I love Coulson, but go back and kill that dude. Like, you can't have witnesses <laughs> for this shit. But he does, and um, Iron Man shows up. Tony is now like, you know what? I like this Iron Man suit more than any of the others. I think I do too, really. It's just, it's classic, and it looks great. Certainly more than the Iron Man 3, where it was more mustard yellow than chrome red. Yes, it does not look good. I remember seeing the concept for it or whatever before that movie came out. Like, oh, is this... Is this what y'all are really going with? Though? The one thing I'm real sick of with Iron Man suits is every time we see a new one, everybody freaks out and they're like, that's it. We're getting the bleeding edge armor. Yeah. It's bleeding edge this time. We're getting nanobots, baby. No, we're not. Relax. If we get them, they're happening in Infinity War. I don't need come nanobots in anything anymore. Yeah. That's Especially the bleeding Ugh. edge armor is so weird. It's literally nanobots in his blood that come out of his skin to cover him in an Iron Man suit. Yeah, that's suit. silly. That's just stupid. I don't need that. Um, anyway, yeah, Obi loses his mind, oh, and yeah. they're fighting each other, and because Tony's using the old arc reactor, he doesn't have a lot of power for his suit, so he's kind of trying to conserve throughout this fight a little bit. Yeah, they have this huge fight throughout, uh, throughout the streets of New York where uh, Obi picks up... In up traffic. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the middle of a bunch of traffic, and Obi picks up this this uh, car that's full of a family. And... <laughs> it's and filled with family. I almost said filled with family. <laughs> Look, man, if you want to make an omelet, you got to be prepared to crack a few eggs or children's skulls. That's it's, right. I mean, I'm, this this movie is very like as much as collateral damage was a theme throughout the later movies. This movie is pretty unconcerned with collateral yeah damage. i'm confused yes. as to how uh in like later movies like civil war where they start having to deal with all the collateral damage how are things like this not mentioned i think it's because you didn't have man of steel yet that was the movie that really made people kind of concerned where they're like whoa oh yeah i guess this that's fight's true. going on for 20 minutes and they're just destroying buildings this and there's just... no just callous disregard for human life this is the and so Marvel cranked up to a hundred. It was almost like Marvel saying, 
oh, we're gonna we're gonna actually deal with that in our movies. Well, yeah, and that's make one them of the best stupid. parts of the first Avengers movie is Captain America talking about uh, keeping the fight down to those like yes. nine blocks on the island of Manhattan. Yeah, he's like, keep it here, keep it away from civilians. That was in direct response to Man of Steel, <laughs> and for be. good reason, and for good yeah. reason. Oh man, and so then they. Uh, uh, Tony decides they're going to fly up in the air because he's done this before where he, when he first tested the armor where he flew way up and it started to like uh, freeze freeze and everything. And uh, anyway, so they f- they fly way up in the air and Jarvis has his C-3PO moment where he's telling him the odds of surviving it. And he's just like, shut, shut up, Jarvis. Let me just do this. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, the Ironmonger armor freezes up and Tony falls down and... I don't know. He's able to save himself. Yeah, he he runs out of uh, he Tony runs out of or is starting to run out of power. So he's just barely able to save himself. He's by, just out of gas. Yeah, he uses the little bit of like power that he has left to to save himself on the way down using his flight stabilizers and all that. Ironmonger, however, freezes completely over, falls all the way down, and somehow doesn't immediately. They die. don't show him a crash. So I guess he was able to save himself just before he hit like Tony was before. Well, because there's a precedent set where as soon as you thaw out, uh, oh yeah, you, you can get start using back. your stuff again. Okay, yeah. but I don't know. So it uh, seemed like that could be the big death, and it wasn't, and I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, the big death had to be Pepper killing him. Yeah, Pepper saves the day in this movie. Yeah, Pepper murders a guy. She does. She straight up murders him because Tony is telling her to. Like overcharge the the, the big, big arc, arc reactor, reactor that they're fighting above, on the rooftop above it, and uh, she doesn't want to do it because she's going to kill Tony, and it's like Tony's about to die anyway. Yeah, this guy's like, getting rockets fired at him. His you response. Really think that yeah, gonna... uh, that's the thing. Uh, Ironmonger, his armor, the targeting system screwed up, so he's trying to shoot at Tony with these missiles to kill him, but he's just aiming blindly, trying to do it. And then uh, what, what were you going to say? His pers- or her. She says, you know, but if I do that, you die. die. And his response is basically, bitch, what? I'm dead either way. I'm getting (laughs) rockets fired at me right now. (laughs) Just do it. Look, I'm unhappy anyway. I've got a big old hole in my chest. I want to be dead. So she blows it up and it pretty much, I guess, obliterates Obi. Although yeah. somehow and Tony Stark gets a little bit electrocuted and then blown to the side of it, so he even doesn't though he's get hit directly anymore. in the path of it. Well, yeah, as we, he as he hangs directly above this arc reactor. Yeah. We needed an Iron Man too. I guess, but it seemed it, it seemed like there could have been a better way to do that than oh yeah, it blows him to the side, but not not Obi. Do you this not remember also... the beginning of the movie when they gave him that set of plot armor? That's the beginning of... That was the uh, first thing he suited up in. Yeah. <laughs> plot armor. Plot armor Mark One, <laughs> And then And this is where we that. get the, the blue beam in the sky. Yeah. The thing blows the up. The very first one. You'll see this a lot throughout superhero movies. Yep. Blue beam going straight up to the sky Mind for you, whatever I reason. I think this blue beam particularly looks pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm fine and, with it. Probably and it makes more favorite. sense than the other movies. Yeah. I don't know. Avengers, like the first one. That blue beam makes sense to me. Well, this one is a blue arc reactor blowing up, exploding upward into the sky. That makes sense. Yeah, as far as a... Yeah. Like, as they far could have as chosen plot... any other color for Avengers. No, because the Tesseract just... is blue. It doesn't seem like a mm. plot device Full. to... It doesn't seem like a plot device just for that shot. That's I think true. that's what I like about this one. And it unfortunately just kind of becomes a... Uh, what do you call it? A trope. Yeah. Yeah. So Obi Avengers dies. Was the last good one. And then uh, after that, we're at the conclusion of the movie. Coulson provides Tony with an alibi. 
Obi supposedly dies in a small aircraft crash while on vacation. And Iron Man's just Tony's bodyguard. That's all he's got to yep. tell the press. Oh, this is the part where they say S.H.I.E.L.D. for yep. the first Coulson time. Yeah, establishes the name S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Which, before... I mean, they ignore in later movies, but still. They ignore what? They ignore that this was, like, in later movies, it's established that when Tony's dad and uh, Peggy Carter founded S.H.I.E.L.D., they founded it and called it S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. the whole time. <laughs> Which is fine. It's one small insignificant detail. Yeah. Um... And so Tony goes before the press and tries to tell him that it's his bodyguard for a second. And they're like, no, we're not buying it. And he just says, I am Iron Man. <laughs> Boom. Cut the credits. Typically, we're done with the movie at credits. But this is an MCU movie. That's right. We're about to savor the flavor of our very first after credit sequence. I and did not watch the after credit sequence to this movie when I watched it the first time. I did. <laughs> it is the best after credit. It's the most excited I've been about a post credit sequence ever. Ever, yeah. Ever. Except for, nope, Incredible Hulk. But we'll get there next episode. There's not an after credit scene for that. Well, mid credit scene. No, it's at the end of the movie. Oh, is it? Yep. Oh, There's I didn't no realize. But you know what I'm credits. talking about, right? I got okay, you. then this is my favorite post-credit scene ever. Yep. So, um, anyway, he, what is it? Tony, Tony, he walks into his room, or into his house, and he notices something's off. I think the alarm is going off. Yeah, and he goes, Jarvis, and he goes, yes, and then he sort of yeah, like sounds like he's powering down something. or something. And then you see this silhouette of this bald dude, and typically your first thought is, oh, shit, Obi's alive. He yeah. gonna get him. And then in one of the smartest moves I've ever seen in comic book movie history, you hear Samuel L. Jackson's voice start talking. Then he turns around and he says, hi, my name is Colonel Nick Fury. And he's got an eye patch and a leather trench coat. I'm director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I want to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. Uh, Lost my mind. Yeah, every comic book fan yeah. suddenly was just like, I was. are we doing so this? Excited. Are we really doing this? I, I still didn't think it was going to happen. And then I heard Joss Whedon was going to be directing the first Avengers. And I was like, that's that'd be great, but it's not going to happen. And yeah, then it happened. It just seemed Ba-boom. like, yeah, th- it was th- just against all odds. That's then... something this is, I mean, people are used to it now, but the MCU at the time was unprecedented. It had never been done in film before. Well, universal monster movies. There was a lot of crossover there. Okay. But I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, nothing modern day, at yeah. least not since like the thirties Nothing and this 40s. big where you have your own separate franchises and then they all, all of these franchises come together and it balances all these separate main characters. Well, like that. Yeah. It was really just, you know, I saw justice league last month where they tried to do it. Don't, don't, yeah. don't spoil this. All right. Well, the movie is over. It's yep. over. And uh, for me, the Danny Award goes to John Favreau as Happy Hogan. Man, I was hoping you'd give it to Nick Fury. I knew you'd give it to John Favreau. Because <laughs> he just, he has like maybe two lines of dialogue in this. And, uh, but he's he's perfect for, for the part. But Nick Fury is the most minor character. Yeah, but it's like a, I don't know, it's just, it's a tease oh, thing. Well. It just, yeah, well, I, I appreciate Happy. Tease. Maybe Obadiah's movie. a tease. Who knows? Everyone's a tease. Everyone, Danny's for everybody. 
Oh, John Favreau, you've come a long way from Daredevil as Foggy Nelson. Oh man! Oh my! God. Don't talk about as it. As he as he plays literally the character, he plays a uh, uh, what is her name from uh, Catwoman? Uh, Selena Kyle? No, not no. From the movie, from the Halle Berry Catwoman. Oh, what is her friend's name? What's oh, I don't know. But he, they're the same character in both of those movies. Like, um, you should go talk to that guy. Yeah, just <laughs> smarmy. No, like, see. too invested into your friend's really, sex I life. Gave, <laughs> I gave the award to him because he directed this movie oh, yeah, and okay, he made it all sense. happen. Yeah, that's true. So, okay, then he is the most minor character that matters the most. Um, Iron Man, the drinking game. All right. Oh. This should be a standard role for any of these movies. Drink for any Stan Lee cameo. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, drink every time Tony Stark takes a drink, which he's sipping on that whiskey quite a bit. Dude, you're going to be drunk. Tony Stark's an alcoholic. Well, they kind of <laughs> You will also be an alcoholic. Set the groundwork for yeah. that a little bit, but it's not abused. They yet. tried to do it in Iron Man 2, but we'll we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get there. Um and I really I feel like drink every time the main character takes a drink should just be a standard rule too. Yeah. Uh, drink when he talks to Jarvis. Yep. And drink when at the start of drink at the start of every press conference or public event related to Tony or Stark Industries. That's like seven. I know. That's that, a good one. You're sipping pretty good throughout this movie, but yeah. not like you're yeah. pretty you're pretty buzzy by the end of this Nobody's movie. Nobody's <laughs> dying, it sounds like. Yeah, it's not yeah. like the last few where it's like drink every single time Wonder Woman doesn't wear the Wonder Woman costume from the comics. If oh, there's man. bad <laughs> acting in Ghost Rider, you have to take a drink. <laughs> Finish your drink. Oh god. I haven't stopped drinking in an hour and thirty six minutes. That's uh, just a constant keg chug. What did you say was your sky poem? My sky poem was, was the product placement. Both it, both uses. That's right. I really could not think of a good. Me neither. Like nothing was just so bad that I couldn't. No, even the product took placement me out of the me, movie. Like, look, movies have product yeah. placement. Oh no! Don't get me wrong. The only reason I picked that as my sky poem was because I thought I had to pick a sky poem. We should have communicated that better. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had to. And so yeah. I figured if it I mean, if, if anything this... is bad, that's it. But really, this is it's a phenomenal movie. This is a good There's movie, not a yeah. lot I yeah. can hate on. It's a solid, solid movie. Um and a lot of this, you know, you can pick and choose whether or not you are gonna do it. You can even say, like, oh I can't I didn't think of anything. For do that. I have free will now? We'll Welcome to the there. rest of your life, kid. We'll get there. I'm almost a free <laughs> boy. Um who was the best performance? Do we all have the same I best performance? Like we I feel like we should have we all had both the same best and worst performance, in fact. If I'm gonna if I was gonna guess Gwyneth I would Paltrow. Say, exactly. Yep. Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Robert Downey Tony Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah without comparison. him. He embodies not yeah. not okay, he doesn't embody comic book Tony at all, but he embodies the character he plays on screen so well that Marvel Comics changed how Tony Stark was written to, to make fit, him better. Yeah. To fit RDJ. Yeah, as far as an as far as an adaptation, like I said, the comic Tony Stark, I'm I'm fine with the you know, him being the way he is, like more of an industrialist type and all that. But uh as far as adapting it to screen this is just infinitely more entertaining. Oh, yeah. absolutely! And Robert Downey Jr. Man, he there's lots of riffing into it. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. just riffing, and you could tell. Well, a like, lot of it's, that. A lot of this is not scripted, yeah, or he's be, well, just taking because... what's on the page 
and Robert Downey yeah, and he Jr. Nails it. it. He nails it every time. Well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but a lot of the script wasn't written. And so a lot of the, the whole movie is ad-lib stuff. They would ad-lib, and if it worked, they would reshoot the scene. That makes I sense. can totally believe that because yeah. it seems natural. You know what yeah. I mean? Robert Downey Jr.'s performance seems totally natural mm-hmm. all throughout. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and for me, I don't have a worst. I feel like everybody in this movie did a really solid job. I, I have a worst not because I didn't like anybody's performance, but because, well, I picked a worst. <laughs> yeah, me yeah. too. I have a worst. They didn't do a bad job at all, but uh, Terrence Howard. Uh, I, he, I yeah that was that was the one that I picked. He didn't do a bad job, not not at all. Terrence Howard is a decent actor. He just was my least favorite character in this movie. And also, Rhodey is an unnecessary character in this movie. Honestly, yeah, you could really take and him truly. out, and it wouldn't have a huge effect on. No, him. yeah, all you would have to do is have the regular military rescue Tony Stark instead of his childhood friend, which I always thought was weird. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's like all the villains and spider-man being personally connected to, to peter parker yeah <laughs> yeah they uh i mean i guess they sort of had to give a little splash of roadie in this movie to set him up as war machine but i could have yes. i could have done with a splash yeah i'm just saying for the story to work you don't need him yeah but, I yeah mean, he's still like to set him up and everything yeah is necessary. which is just that that's another testament to this film is that even my worst performance gave a great performance yeah um, all right, let's do our recast. Ooh. Who's going to go first? I'll go first. Yeah. All right. So for uh, Colonel Rhodes, um, I picked Tyler James Williams. Uh, he's recently uh, picked up a lot of notoriety from appearing in Dear White People. Oh, we yeah. hate Chris guy. Yeah, the we hate Chris guy. Or everybody, or everybody hates, hates Chris. Chris. Yeah. Uh, I think that he... Uh, I think that he... He has that good mix that, in my opinion and, and in Ren's opinion, uh, Terrence Howard had that like good mix of he can do a good stern, kind of stern character, but then also he's got like that kind of affable, likable yeah uh, aspect about him. And, and I thought that I, I think that he'd be perfectly suited to do Colonel. Oh, Rose. for sure, dude! I love Tyler James Williams. He's young, right? Yeah, yeah he's, he's twenty-five. Yeah, something like oh, that. Wow. He's not much older than me. He's a year a, a year or so older than me. Dang. Um, okay. So for Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts. Uh, I picked Alexandra Breckenridge. Um, she is an actress. She acted in two different seasons of American Horror Story. Um, A, and most importantly for me, she has fiery red hair, which I think is important <laughs> to play the character of Pepper Potts. Um, but more so, I just think that she's a solid actress and, um, she kind of has that uh, that look to her face. I, I think that Gwyneth Paltrow was almost a little too smirky for me as Pepper Potts. Yeah. And whenever Pepper Potts to me in my mind is... Probably because she's acting on screen with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I guess it's, sure it's impossible not, not to smirk. smirk. <laughs> but I think, that, uh, I think that Alexandra Breckenridge could balance a little more between being kind of a prim professional assistant... Um, while still maintaining a little bit of that tension between her and Robert Downey Jr. that I yeah. think was I think it was definitely important. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that she would do a little bit of a better job with that. Um, for Obadiah Stane, uh, I went weird a little bit, and I picked Sean Penn hmm. because I think I could th- see that Sean, Sean Penn is terrifying. He did kidnap exa- and beat the Sean, shit out of first, Madonna. First off, yeah. Sean Penn is. Very intimidating, yeah. in my opinion. For sure. Sean Penn is super intimidating, 
but also Sean Penn has a very winning smile. And I think during like the photo op scene <laughs> and stuff like that, he would have been able to convincingly pull that off. Like, hey, let's take a picture. Come on, buddy. Come on. Instead of Br- Jeff Bridges, just like. Yeah, Sean, Sean, smirk, the... Sean Penn looks to me like the kind of person where the, the psychopath stuff is always, stop making that face at me. <laughs> <laughs> They're making a face like Jeff Bridges smiling. Where Sean Penn, he looks like uh, a calm guy with psychopath always lurking under the surface. Yes, and that is because that's exactly what he is. Yeah, yeah. and that's perfect for Obadiah State, really in my opinion. Cannot emphasize this enough, think- Hollywood. He tied Madonna up and beat the shit out of her with a baseball bat. Wait. Yeah, yeah but he's Sean Penn, so it's fine, I guess? Question no, mark? No, no. No. Um, All right. He. Oh, go ahead. I would say, I think with Sean Penn, it would be even more convincing when Obadiah loses his mind at the oh, end. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would be like, <laughs> okay, I buy this. Uh, okay. My Tony Stark is the one I was a little worried about. Um, Here we go. For Tony Stark, I This picked... is one of the toughest recasts we yeah, had to do. For we sure. all agree. So I I had to mull this over. Uh so for Tony Stark, I recast uh or I cast Timothy Oliphant. Hmm. Um I, hey, think I that, don't hate that. I think that Timothy Oliphant A, he is a smirker. First and foremost, Timothy Oliphant is a big smirker. He is a handsome guy. He's kind of, you know, he's like He's, he looks a little a little older. He doesn't look like a young young guy by any means. Yeah. And I think that for the for the idea of being an industrialist, um, I think that that plays to his strength. And then also, if you guys have seen Justified uh, on FX, I've never he, seen it, but I've heard he's pretty awesome. I know. Does, I know the show. I just haven't watched it. He does a very good like uh, morally ambiguous, which I think, especially for the first part of this movie, where Tony Stark is like a weapons you know weapons monger industrialist. I think that his I think his characterization would be perfect for that where he is doing things that he thinks is right but in the back of his mind he knows that they're probably not completely right. So, yeah. anyway, that's my recast. That's a good tr- I like I liked it. I like all that. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Rhodey, but I liked everything else. Oh, you should look some of look some of Tyler James Williams stuff up. He's a he's a great I've actor. seen him in stuff. I mean, yeah. he was in The Walking Dead for a minute. Yeah, it's just yeah. more of the age thing for yeah, me, that's I guess. Yeah, I mean, he looks like I, a kid. I think yeah. in my mind I was casting these optimally in my head rather than casting them all together. Right. Sure. I, I get Which, that. Yeah, but all the rest pretty solid. Go ahead, Ren. Okay. Um for me, uh for Rhodey, I went with Derek Luke, who is uh he played I don't know if you saw the Notorious movie, mm-hmm. uh, Notorious B.I.G., but he plays uh, I did. Puff Daddy in that. Oh, okay, yeah. I know and, who that guy uh, is. Also, he's got two first names, and that's cheating. <laughs> Derek Luke. <laughs> yeah, I, I have his picture pulled up. Yeah. I always look the casts up, or I always look the actors up as you say them, because I don't know a lot of them sometimes. And anyway, he's in uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Mm-hmm. He's like the real military guy that's yeah. like getting yeah. prepared. And I love that Just movie. in ridiculous shape. Uh, I buy him as like an intimidating guy, and I think he's a great actor. Uh, for Pepper Potts, I went with Jessica Chastain. Is it because she's got red hair? I just think she's a great actress. Well, she is a great actress. I, I love her. In she was a great actress in. in everything but Fist Fight, starring Charlie Day and Ice Cube. Oh God, I've never seen. Oh that. gosh, I've, that's a fairly recent movie, isn't it? Yep. Oh man, yeah, I have not seen that. Me and my well, dad watched it. Well, she's great in <laughs> Taking Shelter and Zero Dark Thirty. She's just and Mad awesome. Men. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, no, that's Christina Hendricks. Yeah. Never mind. Um. Anyway, 
I I just really like Jessica Chastain a lot, and yeah, she does have red hair. So, oh, <laughs> Christina Hendricks for is me in... that was that was one of the more important aspects of casting Pepper. Christina <laughs> Hendricks is in uh, Fist Fight. Never mind. Oh, yeah. I was like, that doesn't sound like something that Jessica Chastain would be. <laughs> okay, whatever. Starring Ice Cube and Charlie Day <laughs> as two teachers who are gonna fight each other. Cube Day Chastain. <laughs> <laughs> Hanks. Um, Hanks. <laughs> for Obadiah Stane, I went with William Fickner. Who uh, I am you a... might know him from The Dark Knight. He's the guy in the bank. You and your friends are dead. I am one hundred percent on board with that. I, I think yeah. that's I a great that. casting. Yeah. He's super tall and like intimidating, and he's old enough to play the part. Uh, like, yeah, I think he's a great corporate. He has an intimidating way of speaking, which I think is is important for Obadiah Stane. One hundred percent. I honestly, I feel like William Fickner should have won an Academy Award by this point. Like, yeah, he's kind of fallen off the radar a little bit. But yeah. for a long playing... time, he was prolific, man. Yeah, My he was in like was Perfect in Storm everything. and like yeah. all these big movies. Arm- Armageddon. Yeah, well. (laughs) Everybody has their Armageddon. (laughs) One of the problems I have with him, and it's not his fault or anything, sometimes when I try to picture him, like I hear his name, I try to picture him, the first face that pops up, and it's vice versa for both of these guys, is Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> oh my gosh! I and so it pops up, and I'm like, stars. "God's not dead. God's not dead." Oh no, these are definitely not the same person. Yeah, I know, <laughs> Kevin Sorbo. I know, I know they're different. <laughs> Instead of uh, Iron Man, Newsboy starts playing at the end of Iron Man, and that's how you know you pick. Oh, he's not one. dead. He's surely alive. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry, mom. I know you like that movie. <laughs> Yeah, the movie can be fine in in whoever's mind wants it to be, but Kevin Sorbo is not good. No. Anyway, yeah, William Fickner for that one. I like that. (laughs) And uh, for my Tony Stark, I went with Carl Urban. I think that Carl Urban's got great comedic chops, great Mm -hmm. action movies. Have you seen uh, Have you seen Ragnarok yet? No, he's in. He's in that. I know. That's and he's why I hilarious. said that I cast somebody that's already. In oh, an I forgot MCU that you had movie. said that. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently Derek Luke was in Captain America: First Avenger. I think he plays one of the Howling Commandos. Oh, okay. Oh, see, made, I, I, yeah, he, I didn't he recognize does play him, one but... of the Howling Commandos. Uh, see, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, Carl Urban, I think, has just kind of he's everybody loves him. Yeah. He's like, uh, oh, who's the guy from Firefly? The main guy, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. I think comic book fans are just like geek community just love the guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, part of it is because he saved Judge Dredd. Yes, he did. And he's Bones in Star Trek. He's and he's Bones. great. He's uh, um, I think like in Aomir. Star Trek Beyond, they finally started giving him more screen time and everything. Yeah. And it was exactly what that franchise needed. God, I love Bones. Bones is my favorite yes. Trek character. So I feel like Carl Urban really deserves like a big yeah, franchise. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with sure. that. All right. For Rhodey, I cast someone who's already in the MCU. And so I went with uh, Anthony Mackie, who plays Falcon. Yeah. He's already oh, playing a veteran. He's <laughs> he's in his 40s. He's around the he same age. He was also age. in uh, Notorious. I think he plays Tupac in that. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he's also, uh, he plays uh, Bunny's... Or Eminem's rival, yeah, an eight mile. And he talks about he talks shit on Tupac in that movie, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, he plays it does. him later. This movie sponsored by Notorious. See it in theaters. <laughs> Get it on 
steal it from the Hastings in San Marcos, <laughs> rent it, and never return it. Ren. <laughs> Wait for the company to go out of business. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's funny, and he can do the stern stuff. And I mean, he's already playing a veteran in the MCU, so why not just have him play a different one? I'm cool with that. Uh, for Pepper Potts, I went with uh, Claire Danes. Mm. I know. I knew immediately you would know who it is. I know who Claire Danes is. Yeah, I know who Claire Danes is. We've seen Terminator Three. What kind of? Yeah. What what kind of Neanderthal do you think I am? Yeah, she plays Kate Brewster in Terminator Three. Don't judge her on that. Catherine (laughs) Brewster. She she she's a good actress. She's won a bunch of Emmy awards. I think like three of them. Yeah, she's Uh, on that show, The Americans. I think now or yeah, I think so. Something. Yeah, she's a good actress. Uh. I mean, her hair is blonde right now, and it's typically blonde, but it can be red easily. Yeah. I mean, it's been I red and totally stuff before. I totally buy her as Pepper. Yeah. Uh, for Obadiah Stane, I went with Brian Cranston. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. I like it because he can do, you know, like the fatherly thing. Totally friendly guy. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see Hal from Malcolm in the Middle flip into heisenberg from breaking bad yes it would be awesome (laughs) he would be like heisenberg like walter white if he was already a man of power yeah just pushed over the edge while already in that position yeah so be like picture rich hal turning into heisenberg yes man that's good yeah i'm like that a lot i really really i just Watching the movie, I thought who could play someone intimidating and scary, but also fun and affable and kind of like a dad. Brian Cranston is the first Cranston. one who came to mind. And then for Tony Stark, the Peace Day Resistance, mm-hmm. I chose another MCU alum, and I went with Bradley Cooper, who uh, he can do the comedy stuff in The Hangover. He can do serious when he needs to. Uh, he's got the smirk stuff down. He's real quippy. He's handsome as hell. You uh, you almost had one. You almost had my, a solid cast. My mm. only my only problem really with <laughs> with Bradley Cooper is that he looks too earnest to me. Maybe he's got too much of an earnest face, and I think that this movie, if you're keeping the same script, it is based largely off of quippy one-liners, and Bradley Cooper to me just doesn't seem like the kind of person who could deliver that so well i think he yeah. but this was a difficult casting i think know? he it couldn't really was. he couldn't get away with it without seeming more dickish than like likable yeah. yeah yeah robert downey jr i think he he he's he has a smarmy kind of like slinky charm about him that i think yeah. makes him able to pull that off and i just wonder about bradley cooper's shops in that way yeah. but it's a rare thing it really oh is. for sure yeah All right. no uh, yeah this was a very difficult cast here we are then I've got probably, and I've got no shame admitting this, I've probably got the worst Iron Man choosing. I definitely prefer both of y'alls. But I think I still think I have the best Obadiah choose, choice. Oh, yeah, for sure. Brian, Brian Cranston, Cranston would, be would be amazing as Obadiah. And hearing him deliver that box of scraps line yeah. would be just as great. It'd I'm, be chilling. I'm sending Sean Penn to your house, man. Ooh. <laughs> Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and Sean Penn is standing outside? If Sean of your Penn window? were playing the part, every line would be a box of scraps line. <laughs> he would be Aunt May all through. It's great to have you home, Tony. <laughs> I brought you Tony. Pizza. Pizza, Tony. Is that my arc reactor in there? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Right. Okay, let's rate this thing. 
Um, Jacob, you went first, I think, with the cast. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give this movie as a movie. I'll give it a solid 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I love watching it every time I watch it. Uh, uh, however, say I were a DC executive watching this in 2017. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a 1.5 out of 10 because it represents the beginning of the end <laughs> for every movie I make after it. <laughs> Wait, are you Jeff Johns? I Zack am, Snyder? I'm Zack Snyder in this Pulls scenario. off face. <laughs> I, Mission Impossible, my mask off. <laughs> Don't you guys want to see like blood and boobs in your superhero movies? Hey, yeah. what, if we, what if we took the end of Avengers, but we stretched it and then stretched it and then and called that a movie until it broke. <laughs> yep. It's like a Flex Armstrong with the arms ripped off. Yep. Man, I can't wait to get to those movies. Oh, oh man. Ripping the shreds. Talking as about much easy fun, episodes, easy pickings yeah, for us. As much yeah. fun as I have talking about a movie like this that all three of us genuinely love, talking about one that's so popular and so easy to hate and is going to piss off so many internet nerds who don't like what we have to say about their precious DC movie. Oh, man. I am hyped. Oh, I'm going to eat this movie and spit it out. Yeah. And I think we can all say <laughs> we, we love DC or like it the characters just as much yeah, as Marvel. Yeah, hey, hey, don't get yeah. me wrong. But you cannot seriously tell me that those movies aren't shitty as hell. Yeah, no, they're, <laughs> they're every, all yeah, garbage. Every, every one of, Wonder Woman is Wonder the Woman, yeah. Wonder Woman's a good movie. I enjoyed Wonder uh, Woman. The rest of that series, I don't know. It's weird that they see the formula. They know the formula. They've watched the formula, what, like 16 times now with mm. the with the Marvel movies? I think it's be by the time Infinity War Part Two comes and out, it'll be like twenty three. We were gonna God. have at one point we were gonna have George Miller, uh, Mad Max Fury Road director, direct a Justice League movie to kick it all off. Oh man, that would have been incredible. What a missed shot! Instead, what a missed they do shot. Superman, then Batman and Superman, and then oh, I guess we'll do uh, Wonder uh, Woman, Wonder then Woman, Justice and League, and then Suicide Squad. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> God. Look, honest to God, you guys, for all you people out there who are gonna get pissed off and. Go type up angry things about us because we're not Do it. enjoying your DC movies. First off, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. This isn't a big enough we podcast. We could use the web can... traffic. Yeah, really, we could. <laughs> yeah, please hate us, but hate us a few times Yeah, so that it makes our views Hate us up. with that at button in the hashtag. <laughs> hate Tell us. your friends to hate us, too. Hate us with that refresh button. But, yeah, I, I want to make it clear to you guys that I grew up reading comic books. I learned how to read from my dad's old Spider-Man books. My two favorite superheroes are Spider-Man and Nightwing. Christian never went to school. He learned how to read from comic books, guys. <laughs> I knew how to read when I got to school. Christian's man. first <laughs> Christian's first word was plow. Bam. Plow. Plow. plow? <laughs> I tried to do uh, pow and then also plop. For some reason. No, no. Dude, I just said I, I grew I've up. Had, I've had a couple drinks since the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure. I just said I grew up reading Spider-Man comic books. Don't you think my first word would have been thwip? No, yeah. it's plop. It's <laughs> plop? No, that's what my body does uh, when I slide sit down. Aunt aid. Plop. That's when you sit down to read a comic. When I sit down, my body just goes plop. But um, yeah, I love DC <laughs> characters. Just the movies suck. And I'm very excited to talk about how bad they suck. Um, I rated this movie a 10 out of 10. I think it was exactly what it needed to be for like kicking off this universe. Robert Downey Jr. was amazing. John Favreau did a Favreau, whatever, uh, did a great job setting this whole thing up. I just think it's it's perfect for what it needs to be. I don't think it's 
a 10 out of 10 movie, but for what it is and what it needs to be, it's 10 out of 10. I get that. I, I also gave it a 10 out of 10. It, it accomplished what it set out to accomplish. Not only did it do that, it kickstarted my favorite series of films right now. Literally, I haven't missed a Marvel uh, 7 o'clock premiere since I've seen every single one since Iron Man 3. Even Avengers, I saw Avengers the day after it came out. I do not miss these movies, and this is the catalyst of all that. This began everything. It's one of the most perfect superhero origin movies you've ever seen. It's a new character. It's fresh. There are no cascading pearls. There's no old uncle dying. It's perfect. There's nothing I would change about this movie except for have Don Cheadle be Rhodey from the start. Just for continuity purposes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Even though I like Terrence Howard more, yeah. I like continuity more than I like yeah, that's true. performances <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes. Yeah. That and, okay, uh, and Rhodey make S.H.I.E.L.D. already called S.H.I.E.L.D. Rhodey isn't mm. a big enough character for me to, for it to make me mad that they recast Don Cheadle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I think we're done. Yeah. We are done. Uh, All right. Um, Of course, uh, make sure to hit up our Facebook page, facebook.com slash superhero fatigue. We have a Twitter at at SHF podcast. Also, Instagram is at SHF podcast. Um, Please tweet at us. Please, God, please. And this will be the first of our moving through Marvel's phase one. So now you'll know what to expect. Yeah. uh, Uh, Yeah, I guess we might as well tell them because otherwise, I mean, they can just look it up anyway. We've got... Iron Man we just did, then we're going to do Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America the First Avenger, and then we're going to cap off this little run of films with The Avengers, the first movie that tied all of the pieces together. Now, I'm don't worry, to because we're not just going to be doing this for the next 26 weeks. Well, no, uh, no, we, no. We're we going to do... F- we're also, uh, in between these phases, we're going to be interspersing... Um, you know, some some movies here and there that we've always wanted to do, some series that we've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, we we wanted to move to a more modern era, but also we want to make sure that you don't just get the best, but you get the worst too. Mm-hmm. <gasps> what if we do the DC movies next? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right, guys. Uh, Superhero fatigue, written by Rin Malone, Christian Cook, and Jacob Helker, produced by <clears throat> Jacob Helker. Sometimes uh, our theme music is <laughs> Eloise by Royal Headache. Um, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So please click on it, follow it. Royal Headache is awesome, and I am very, very happy to be able to support them through the podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal. Um, we'll uh, theme we'll music. be back around next week. If you guys uh, have any questions, suggestions, anything like that, send them to us. We will be happy to read them. Maybe ignore them. Probably ignore them, but maybe take them. So give us a shout. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 I need an arc reactor for my nubs. <laughs> That's <laughs> disgusting. Whatever. I'm a unibeam you. Twice. I got two huh. unibeams. Yeah, but they're they're <laughs> tiny, so they would do.